is the Movie Hall of Fame. Thanksgiving mm. 2021 for Thursday, November 25th, 2021. You call it Thanksgiving. We call it Hanksgiving. <laughs> That's how we roll over here on Why Is This a Thing? Do you, do you have a do you have a, a a clip of Hanks yelling or something? No, no, but I have this. Uh, mm. Happy Thanksgiving! It hurts. It, it churns my insides. Christ! Just imagine how the turkey's feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen all of uh, Christmas Vacation, but I did see a clip recently of. Chevy Chase cutting into the turkey mm. and it just splits open and there's just fucking nothing in it. It's just like farts out nothing. <laughs> Great movie. Great series of movies. <laughs> yeah. Gotta watch those vacation movies. Oh, yeah. They never did a Thanksgiving one, I'm assuming. They didn't, but they really should. There's only one Thanksgiving movie. It's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I guess that, yeah, I guess that's there right. There isn't another one. There's Eraser a Eraserhead. I guess, yeah, Eraserhead. That's, that's a Thanksgiving meal, is it not? Yeah, I guess. You just cut them like regular chicken. Just cut them up like regular chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, how are you? I I'm 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 solid. I'm here talking about some movies I really like. I, what what could be better? Nothing. And in, in in the the most exciting news, really the only thing that matters is that uh, an NBA star has finally won Dancing with the Stars. I heard all about this. I'm very excited for Amon Shumpert. Um yeah. Didn't realize he was out of the league, to be honest with you, when he was on Dancing with really? the Stars. Really? Oh, yeah. I thought he was still in too. No. No. I just, I wow. mean, you know, he, he uh, I think, was on some of those Cleveland Cavalier teams <laughs> with LeBron, and then he kind of just faded away. And then all of a sudden, I saw a video of him doing the Us dance, and I'm like, whoa, whoa this that guy. guy, they consider him a star? It was uh, it was kind of amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he was great. I watched another one of his dance. It's it's the one Dancing with the Stars contestant that I think went viral as a result of the show because I don't think I've seen a minute of Dancing with the Stars in at least ten years. It's been a very long time. Well, it was amazing for a number of reasons. One because like NBA stars suck on that show. Like, right. Traditionally, they're brought on. I don't know why. It's it's almost as if they bring them on to be like, okay, maybe. The physical demands will, you know, will will seek through this guy's soul, and he'll be able to come forth and do this amazing piece. Mm. I think they're they have been waiting for an Amon for a very long time. I guess that's what it, what the point is. But every time it's just like these guys can't fucking dance. Yeah, obviously, um, but they're lanky. They're, they're big and they're lanky. I mean, come on, Amon was twice the size of this the the, the pro Daniela. I think yeah. is her name. Uh-huh. And it was so funny because you look at them in their first couple dances are like woo like it's gonna be another one right and then the fact that they slowly start breaking through and they're like okay here's what we do you're fucking tall as hell so let's like use that to our advantage please like it's like this novel like of course you're gonna do that why didn't they do that to begin it never made any sense to me and this is the first time where it's like okay we're going to play up the idea that you're really short and I'm really right. tall and I'm going to w- wheel you around this room like you're a baseball bat, just flailing you up at like anything. And I'll I- be King Kong and you'll be the Empire State Building from King <laughs> <Yeah>. Kong. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, that yeah. us dance is basically that. It's right. nuts. Yeah. It's in every dance after that was fantastic. Right. So I didn't realize they don't really ballroom dance like Dancing with the Stars anymore. It no. doesn't seem like... 
<laughs> Seems like they've abandoned that whole premise. No, 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 no. They because no, back in the day, like yeah, there would be like a waltz. It'd be like, and here's Joey Fatone doing the waltz, and then you know it'd be like a sort of regal, very British thing. No, no, it's a case of tonight we're gonna dance. Right. <laughs> First openly gay shul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this season, speaking of which, yeah. was particularly notable because it was the first same-sex dance partner. Right, JoJo Siwa. I don't like JoJo Siwa. You're not. I, see, I didn't know who she was. She is to be downright honest with you. Until she, was, she had that. Didn't she have like a meal at McDonald's? I think so. She's a Disney star. She originally came from Dance Moms. Um, she is the most obnoxious thing I've ever seen. Um, was she good on the show? She's an amazing dancer. Amazing dancer. Amazing dancer. But not really fair, because she kind of dances in her spare time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is, it was kind of amazing that it's like, well, we, you were thinking like, okay, it's too obvious, the narrative t- is too good with JoJo, they're going to give it to JoJo. But it's like, would it be cool if this uh, underdog, who was an underdog that is putting out really amazing performances now, what if he won? That'd be yeah, amazing, let's right? Let's give it to the giraffe. Sure. Yeah. And... <laughs> Abby loved JoJo, and I'm just like, I don't know, Abby. Like, I, I think she, I think she sucks. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not, not, I'm not digging that JoJo. Where's the charisma? Right. Um, right. Wouldn't it be? Cool? And also, she's like three feet shorter than the other guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's it. Dancing is more her strong suit here. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like, okay. Um. Uh. Wouldn't it be cool if Iman won? And she's like. Eh, I don't know. You were more into the history of the first NBA player ever. I was than the first same-sex couple. But then Abby voted for JoJo, and I'm like, I ain't having this. No way. So I voted for Amon. You did not. Part of Amon's win was for yours truly, Wait Adam a Hall. Wait a <laughs> wow, this is shocking. <laughs> You cast a vote. Ten votes. You cast ten, ten votes ten for the all- winner of Dancing with the Stars. That's right, baby. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I haven't cast a vote for a talent show since, like, there was only, like, a dial-in voting on American Idol. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember that? It's before, yeah, yeah. like, they even had... You couldn't even vote online. Oh, that's nuts. That's what I used to do. I used to vote. I voted for, like, Bo Bice in oh, season four. What a great time that was. I, I used to dial-in, and then the line would be busy. <laughs> and they would tell you, don't worry, stay on the line. You'll we'll get, get to through you. eventually. No. And I would stay on the line when I was, like, eight. Did you ever get anybody? Of course. Okay, good. <laughs> of course. Well, no, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be like a, there wouldn't be a person on the other end. You would like call oh. the number associated with the act. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Okay. So there would be like ten uh, phone numbers associated with ten different contestants, and yeah, you would call in. Um, and then like there was this whole like um, campaign called "Vote for the Worst," which they were kind of like trolls before trolls. Okay. And they like you know they went in there and they like purposely voted for the worst contestant. They would like campaign for people uh, to vote for the worst contestant. That's funny. and that's how like Sanjaya made it to like the top five on American Idol that one year. Yeah, but I haven't voted in one of those since like the George Bush administration. And you're telling me you voted for Dancing with the Fucking Stars? Yes, for Amon. I was, <laughs> I was, I was into getting Amon <laughs> into office. <laughs> you didn't vote in the actual election this no. year. No, <laughs> but you voted. <laughs> you voted for Amon Shumpert. That's right. Okay. That's right. Well. 
Yeah, I so just, the NBA world thanks you for it, Adam. You're really breaking <laughs> glass ceilings here. You reminded me of just now of that that little uh, conversation in the film Wag the Dog, where <laughs> it's a great movie. they're going back and forth about the movie. importance of voting, and then they ask Dustin Hoffman, yeah. "Do you vote?" Yeah. No. No, of course no. not. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> what a great movie. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Didn't see that coming. Uh, I wonder what new surprises will be in store over the next two hours. Well, we'll see. I hope so. Adam, it's my favorite weekend. I know. We're, we're just here. We're in Nico's sweet spot right now. I like this time, too. I'm living my best life. Mm-hmm. It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We're recording this in the afternoon. I am nothing but sunshines and rainbows. Good. <laughs> I got, I'm going out tonight. Ooh. Tomorrow, playing some football in the morning. We have a group of like 20 guys wow. playing football oh, so in the morning. you got a game. You got an we actual got a game. game go- we're going to play like a tournament like tomorrow morning. <laughs> then like Thanksgiving, going to put some parlays in, eat some food, drink some drink. We got this, uh, some apple cider uh, 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 mimosas brewing mm. for tomorrow. That'll be good. A little Black Friday shopping, maybe. You never know. I love every detail that goes into Thanksgiving. God, it's just the best. It's like perfect social. It's not, there's nothing, because there are many social events where there's, there seems like a 50-50 shot that this will not end well, but there's nothing like that in Thanksgiving. It's just social comfort, and I love it. Because you know why? Well, obviously, you know, with Black Friday and stuff, commercialism has hit an all-time high, but <laughs> corporate America hasn't really figured out a way to corrupt Thanksgiving. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, they haven't figured out a way to be like, you have to pay for, like, a, a, a stuffed elf to hide for your kids every other day. You know, you have to, you know, buy firecrackers for the 4th of July, or you got to buy a bunch of candy for Halloween and, like, spend $100 on a costume. It's just, get yourself a fucking turkey, sit around, crack open some beers, and watch some football. But what if in the future, the the turkey meat is replaced with the meat of... Uh, Previously active clones. You mean the soap? That's right. You're talking about the soap. I'm talking about the soap. Soiling green as people. Mm. <laughs> what a tease! <laughs> uh, this is a stupid idea I had this yeah. week, <laughs> just because like uh, I was looking for puns. We did Cranksgiving on the other podcast, so now we're doing Hanksgiving. Yeah, that's that's not the information I like to unveil about the pod. That half of our idea, our ideas come from puns, and right. that's about it. Just me just laying in bed dreaming up puns. If you wanted to know, if you've been pondering whether or not we're actually hacks, guys. Right. I mean, that's it. We're hacks. We, we Most of the... Here's the thing. The greatest ideas I think we've had on this pod came from you laying in bed one night and then inspiration hit you. What a pun. <laughs> June Carpenter. Right. What is June Carpenter? What? Because he's, his name starts with a J? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. The best was June Depew. <laughs> yeah. That was me. That was that, great. That was me. <laughs> well, you know, I went through. I'm thinking, like, could we do Manksgiving, maybe? Mm. Uh, all the films of Herman Mankiewicz. <laughs> That's not going to work. Tranksgiving. That could work. Well, Josh Trank action. We've, we've done enough Josh Trank, though. I don't know. What else is there? Chronicle. We basically talked about Fant Forstick and when we did Capone, so... Right, yeah, we we basically covered that guy's whole career. Yeah. Hopefully from beginning to end. It is to end. Yeah, I was going to say, let's hope it's over. Uh, what else can you do with that? Uh, Banksgiving? Pranksgiving? Films with Jonathan Banks? Uh. <laughs> Pranksgiving's not bad. I like the Jackass movie. Yeah, that, there's stuff in there. There's stuff there, for sure. Is there a punked movie? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, uh, Langsgiving, Tanksgiving, anything with tanks involved? Tank movies? Tank Girl. Yeah. But we've done Tank Girl. What's that movie that we did The, the where they're in like Afghanistan or something? Oh, The Beast? The Beast. Good the movie. Beast is pretty sick. Good movie. The Beast is good. Yeah. Just all, put Fury in there? Yeah. <laughs> Just have a miserable fucking time. Tank movies. I caught part of that movie not so long ago. <laughs> I like the movie, but like, whoa, oh, God, that movie's fucking. It's a, a slog. A, it's it is a, a slog. It's just like ruin your day. Not a fun watch. No. Would not throw that on uh, during Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> with the American soldier burning alive and he shoots himself in the head while he's screaming in agonizing pain. Goodness. <laughs> I saw that movie in the theater, man. Oh, I did too. Oh I did my too. God. Those those tank sound effects, boy, are they compelling? Where they like ricochet off the tank at once. You're like, ooh, that's good. Great sound design in that movie. Great sound design. Great sound design. I remember like the tracers like looking really sharp too. Like it's like a pretty like good technical movie. Yeah, I agree. The story a little slow. Sure. If I'm being honest, sure. And a little yeah, upsetting. A little bit. Kind of like I want to blow my brains out. It doesn't burn alive. <laughs> that sort of feeling. I don't mind it. It's okay. It's the last like good thing I guess uh, David Ayer ever did. So, because mm. what the hell is he up to? Uh, wow, is he making the the follow up to his uh, his Will Smith film Bright? No, wasn't that David Ayer? No, I hope not. Is it written by Max Landis again? Oh my god! Did you see that movie? No. Did you? I did not. Okay, good. <laughs> I think he is making a sequel. Though. Is it what? Oh, he made the Tax Collector last year. Remember that film with uh, uh, freaking uh, Shia LaBeouf? The Tax Collector. Yes, I did not see that. Yeah, I didn't even hear of it. It's kind of like a John Wick esque, uh, yeah, shoot 'em up movie. Oh, eh, okay. Yeah, David Ayer. Yeah, uh, Bright Two in production currently. Jesus, that was like a huge hit, but it's terrible apparently. Yeah, but like it did really well. Like that's like Netflix is just like shelling out like two hundred million dollars to the Irishman and like you know giving uh, David Fincher finally the budget to do Mank and all this yeah. stuff and like they keep making their Oscar push. They put out Roma, whatever. Like they're putting out the, the Jane Campion movie this year, Power of the Dog, and like <laughs> turns out uh, all you got to do is put a lizard next to Will Smith and you have a hit on your hands. It's not a lizard. It's an orc. Whatever. It's an orc. Even better. I don't know. How about Franksgiving? Franksgiving's doable. Yeah. There's a few Franks out there. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Darabont? Frank Darabont? Frank Darabont. I like Frank pretty much. I mean, I haven't seen The Majestic, but I love all of Frank Darabont's movies. I, I think, like, he, yeah, has done incredible work. Yeah. It's like, like those who, if there's, I, I, I get very defensive about The Mist because it's the only one to really get defensive about. Oh, that movie's amazing. And it's like, I think it's really good. That movie's <laughs> so good. It's kind of brilliant. It's and, so good. But some people are like, I don't know, man. It's too 50s e. That ending is too hard. I don't know. Like, as if that's not the point. I, uh, that ending rules. It's an amazing ending. <laughs> Whatever. I, I think it's a great movie. Great movie. It's a great movie, Max. Yeah, Nico's cat is here. He is. Uh, all right. So, but we 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 uh, stumbled on Hanksgiving, and what we did is we assembled five Tom Hanks movies. No real rhyme or reason. I I think right. like in hindsight, there are some pretty significant movies in his career. 
that we're talking about today. But I guess the only thing they have in common is we haven't talked about them before. Yeah, the I, the range of quality is extraordinary. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But you're right. As far as like Tom Hanks, it's not apropos of anything. But it's cool. It's cool. Kind of encapsulates his whole career in a way, right? Well, that I. I Part of why I, I think like one of my contributions was Splash, and that was for that very reason that it's a very important one for Tom Hanks. Uh-huh. So, yeah, very important for his collaboration with Ron Howard, because it is the first one he ever did with Ron Howard. Certainly one, is. One out of five movies. Yeah. So. I, I think what you have here are three distinct phases of his career, and I think each with like a pretty clear evolution, one to the next. Um, it, it's kind of one of the great trajectories ever because he's one of the great actors ever. Um, you know, one of my revelations, I, re-watching some of these and watching um, one of them for the first time, is that, like, they are such breezy watches. Yeah. I mean, they are so fucking easy to get into. Um, and, like, I'll say one of these movies probably didn't age great for me. It had been a long time since I'd seen it, and I rewatched, it, and it's like, all right, this movie's just, like, fine. But... He just never makes boring movies. Like, he just makes incredible choices. And uh, for a guy that just, like, did Bosom Buddies and, like, fucking Happy Days cameos for the first part of his career, to become like one of the great sort of selectors of material. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. He, I think that might be his greatest gift, although he does have a lot of great gifts, is that he just never makes bad movies. He's got like five of them. <laughs> yeah, he's got a good palette here. Yeah. And he's one of those guys where it's like when he's in the movie, it's instantly better. Mm-hmm. You like it's an, it. Sometimes I look for this. I just look for an actor where as soon as they're on screen, I know I'm kind of calmed down and, and hanging out. You know, It's been a while since we've had a Tom Hanks I don't, I don't know if anybody even today kind of compares. There's there are inst- well, it's Jimmy Stewart, right? Is the main comp? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, like our millennial Tom Hanks. Oh, there isn't one. I do like. I mean, he's too weird for for Tom Hanks. But I have a similar level of like comfort every time I see Adam Driver, even though it's very different. Yeah, it's different. Well, the thing about Hanks, which is strange, is, is you're right. He does have this kind of like weird offbeat energy, but it's. Also, like, romantic lead offbeat energy. Mm. It's like he has this, like, you know, he's kind of a dork. You could tell that he didn't really have a lot of friends in high school. (laughs) Yet, he has a 100% approval rating among men, women, old, and young. Like, it's complete four quadrant. I've never met a single person that's been like, I don't really get Tom's thing. Like, have you ever met a person that said that? I have met people that don't like some of his more beloved movies, but like him specifically, no, I've never. Even though he's kind of a dweeb, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got like a weird voice, like this weird like energy to him. Well, you look at the characters he plays, too, especially on SNL, the stuff that attracts Oh, my God. How do do? <laughs> and how do don't? How about David S. Pumpkins? Yeah. <laughs> Any questions? What is that? SNL host of all time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that. I'd put him in the pantheon. Yeah, I would agree with that. Top three or four. And never had a problem with it. That's kind of what I liked about it. He was never kind of above it. Right. You know, with with an actor like that, though, you would think that at a certain point he would be above a lot of this stuff. But even in like round table interviews, he's clearly like the the dude. (laughs) He's like, that's the guy. I love him. Well, he started making... Like screwball comedies, like he started making like Turner know, and Hooch, and right? If Turner and Hooch was like not a good movie. Uh, the Bachelor Party he did yeah. in the eighties, The Burbs is pretty good, but I mean that's kind I've of like the a, Burbs. Yeah, that's kind of like a, a cult classic in many ways. Dragnet, the the movie version of Dragnet was a total bomb. Um, 
I mean, that's that's how he started out. I mean, that's where he sort of honed his craft again yeah. on, on bosom buddies, you know, for two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's uh, he's he's one of those guys that he sort of graduates into like that next tier. But um, he never took himself too seriously. And yeah. I think that even though he had every right to do so. In the wake of, say, Philadelphia. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if Jared Leto did Philadelphia... In fact, Jared Leto did do Philadelphia with Dallas Buyers Club. You know, he wins the Oscar after Dallas Buyers Club, and it's like every Jared Leto interview is just insufferable. I know. And Hanks does it and gives this incredible speech at the oh, Oscars. It's, it's great. It's like you're gonna, you want to cry and then, like, vote for him to be president. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the greatest campaign speech you ever heard. Um, and then goes on and does, like, you know... Other really important, like, uh, like you know, like world uh, defining culture defining movies, but then like does that thing you do and does you've got mail another like rom com with Meg sure. Ryan and it's like, yeah, I mean he always think like, understood the brand. That's really the key with oh yeah guys, yeah right. I agree until he you know, d- there's a point where maybe he doesn't fully understand the brand. Not always in a bad way though. One of the interesting things about Tom Hanks's later career is that there are plenty of interesting choices that I have no problem with whatsoever. Mm. I don't necessarily think it's his greatest work, but it's like, oh, you're doing that movie, and we'll talk about that, right? <laughs> but like, cool choice, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's no, it's uh, your it, your performance is not Philadelphia. It's no Toy Story. It's no Forrest Gump or whatever. But like, cool, right? The fact that I'm still saying cool to Tom Hanks, even though how old is he? And he's, he's almost in his 70s i'm sure it's gonna be pretty close yeah. and he hasn't like done the all right now you got to play a grandfather in a sports movie yeah hasn't done that yet. he hasn't he's still like playing the lead in all of these yeah, movies yeah you know yeah. he's still lead in bridge of spies he's still the lead in like uh the post and sully yeah sully yeah he's good in sully he's, he's good, good in sully good in yeah, yeah sully's good yeah i like sully yeah sully's a good you know i mean he did news of the world last yeah, year yeah. um the reason that this actually came up, one of the reasons that I was sort of daydreaming about this idea was because I just watched the movie Finch on Apple TV. Uh, oh. Did you see the trailers for that? I, I did. It's like him and Caleb Landry Jones as a robot. As a robot yeah. and nobody else in the movie. It's like a post-apocalyptic world where like, uh, I guess a nuclear bomb blew a hole in the ozone. So like everybody burns up if you go in the sun. So uh, yeah, he's by himself and he's like this engineer a computer programmer or whatever that makes this robot essentially and they go on this trek with him and his dog and like it is the most like down the middle sci-fi idea you could possibly imagine but it really works it's like a solid movie like i was stunned how much i like this movie oh, okay cool. i was out because i saw the trailer for this i'm like oh god we're doing like another like fucking it's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie but there's a family touch to it uh, but it it's like really charming, and ninety percent of it is like Hanks. He's he's really good in the movie. I kind I was I was very curious. It didn't look as insufferable as like Greyhound, right? You know, sure. so I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'll, I maybe I'll give this a shot at some point. All I saw recently was Antlers. Oh, I went for I went for Antlers. Yeah, talk to me about Antlers. <laughs> well, extremely well made. I will give it that. It's 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 a very very well made movie, very good looking movie, um, and if I'm being honest, I never really had that issue with Scott Cooper as a filmmaker. I, I think his films are consistently well made. It's just his his touch on the material is very um, stiff, mm. shall we say? Mm. He's his movies like an antler, perhaps. No, I mean his films have. The, in the past, anyway, have no flavor to mm. them. They just 
are. What's this movie about? If that about? makes sense. It is about um, a kid who is taking care of his younger brother and his father who are turning into Wendigos. And a Wendigo is a Native American spirit that sort of turns you into this... in. Native American folklore turns you into this like lengthy, cold, hairless being that just eats people mm-hmm. and always needs to. And they they're always followed by like um, a, a, you'll you'll enter a room and you'll you'll see your breath and they'll you'll this foul smell will ruminate. But the look of it is like this like like bald, lanky thing with like sharp teeth. Whereas the Americans took it and turned it into like a tall, lengthy thing with like antlers and like a deer head with teeth. So that's that's so turning into a deer. He's turning into a half man, half deer, vampire, cannibal thing. Got it. So the movie has flavor. First, right. <laughs> first, first Scott Cooper film I've seen that I was like, ooh, I can actually taste something here. There's there there's a vibrancy to this to a degree. Yeah. It's actually, uh, it, you know, it 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 has it has more of a, I don't know. It, it 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 leaves me <laughs> like salivating on scene to scene in a way that I don't get out of something like Black Mass, and it's and it's actually you were salivating at the Deer Man. Oh yeah, <laughs> just the Deer Man scenes are are, are I, I have to admit the monster scenes are actually quite excellent. Okay. Um, um, and I I thought okay there there is actually like like a vibrancy here that is just n- not apparent at all in mm-hmm. in Black Mass or even that much in something like Hostels. Yeah. Um, or well, hostiles. he also did like Crazy Heart and Out of the Furnace, which I recall having the exact same poster. Both of yeah. those movies. It's like um uh like a guy with like a bushy beard and like long uh disheveled hair in like, profile too. in profile in front of like a like a, a, a mocha sort of background like a rustic mocha background. And the only difference is one has a guitar, the other has a gun. Right. That's the difference. Right. <laughs> I'm looking at him right now, as a matter of fact. Oh my it is the same fucking poster. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And it's like both of these things are set in like Pittsburgh. Wow, it's And the there's exact like overcast. Color. I don't know where both those movies were. were uh, I mean, like it is shot, like an identical poster. It's so weird. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's like you've seen that, that running uh, gag where like, uh, or there's like a meme going around. There's that Justin Timberlake movie. And that Mark Wahlberg movie and um, Stillwater with, oh, with yeah. Matt Damon. And they all have the same poster. Mm-hmm. It's just like a guy with a baseball cap in yeah. front of like a bright blue sky. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's sort of what I think of when I think about Scott Cooper movies. It's just like, oh, these are things that maybe my dad would rent from Redbox and then forget about a week later. Yeah. I mean, is I, I like the movie. I liked it enough. I and I think like I said, it's it's a extremely brutal film in ways I didn't like fully expect. And it's not so much brutal in like when it kills someone, ooh, it's fucked up how it kills it. It's like the aftermath, like the way you see bodies in this movie. Oh yeah. god, it still it still sticks with me. Yeah. It's it's sometimes hard to watch in that way. Mm. But it's an effective like art housey monster film where the monster stuff is well done. It's just very dour mm-hmm. and that's the big thing about it it's just there it is there's nothing funny about it it's incredibly sad and moody and just like there's just a brooding quality to it all the way through particularly with the the young boy and his performance is awesome mm. but like 
you will not smile throughout the entirety of this movie. And yeah, if you, if some people want that out of their, you know, monster movies about a deer man thing eating people and you're not going to get that here. And I guess aside from that, my only other big criticism is that the climax is incredibly weak. Okay. Like the way they, the final conflict with the monsters, like that's, that's really it. Mm. It's, it's helped with like a, a really disturbing moment where they have to kill the younger boy's brother mm. and the, the sound design there and the, the, the acting by that little boy as he's turning into the Wendigo and antlers are jutting out of his mouth. Uh, good stuff. Hmm. But, um, I'll be sure never to see this movie. <sighs> You'll catch it on cable. One of these I, days. I, I don't think I will. I think I'm good. There is one shit like to, to that jutting of the antlers out of the mouth. When the father for, is turning into the Wendigo, it's almost like a cocoon. Like his body is a cocoon. It's like breaking open. Mm. And the antlers are like reaching up out of his mouth. And then his, his like blood is falling from his mouth. It's like they're going like three feet in the air. And then all of a sudden his head just <laughs> splits open and then you cut. And I'm just like, whoa, shit. I'm out. I saw this with Abby's mom. I heard about this. I'm out. No, thanks. <laughs> Bye. I'm good. Abby's. <laughs> it was me, Abby, and her mom, and it was a good a litmus test, though, for any future girlfriends of mine. Just know that I'll, uh, you know, maybe show antlers to your mother and see how she reacts. Not really a scary movie, just mm. moody and depressing for sure. Mm. Uh, good. Back to the subject at hand. Okay. <laughs> Hanks, I wanted to make one point about like his last ten years because you said, you know, exactly that. Like he's had like a pretty solid last decade he still makes like pretty interesting choices Mm -hmm. let me read to you let's see it's 2021 now so let's start at like 2011 let's take a look at his choices yeah okay uh extremely loud and incredibly close not a good film but oscar nominated cloud atlas in 2012 we'll get to it captain phillips in 2013 good movie good movie great performance oscar nominated performance really like that movie one of his best performances ever maybe yeah the, yeah. Is that my blood moment when he's brought back to the ship? Right. <laughs> freaks me out. Is oh he God. so good? It, I mean, it's it's the type of scene designed for like an Oscar reel, but there's nothing fake about that it's performance. So it's good. like you I I love it so much when a when a performance hits that uncanny feeling where it's like this guy is actually in shock <laughs> and heartbroken over what just happened. Unbelievable. Yeah. Saving Mr. Banks kind of a down the middle thing, but again, Oscar nominated. I never saw that. It's okay. Bridges Spies in 2000. Really good. Slaps. Really good. The last, the, the last like, like Spielberg film to come out that I was like, good movies. There you go, Spielberg. Well Slaps. Done. Yeah. 2016 Sully. I like Sully. Pretty sweet. I like Sully. Uh, then he does the Inferno, the Da Vinci Code thing, whatever. Oh, then he does The Circle. Oh, yeah. With Emma, <laughs> with Emma Watson, Emma. which is like a YA adaptation. And he plays like the bad guy in that, right? Yeah, he does. He does. Okay. The Post. Oh, yeah, he was in the post. Decent. Yeah. Toy Story 4. Okay. Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Awesome. Really good in that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, he's so good in that. Awesome in that. He's movie. really good. Uh, another Oscar nominated. Uh, and then Greyhound, Borat, subsequent movie film, News of the World, Finch. Still at the Still top of his game. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. That's pretty good to me. Might be his best decade. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that. it's close. It's know. good. It's really, it's good stuff. He's still doing good it's stuff. It's his best. You should forget about the 90s. 
Look at the movies he made in the 90s. Dude, come. Bridge of Spies, man. Oh, my God. You <laughs> love that bridge. I love that bridge. Nico's favorite bridge by a mile. Brooklyn Bridge? Nuh-uh. No. Nuh-uh. <laughs> bridge of Spies. <laughs> Brooklyn got any spies on that bridge? I don't think so, man. They just have New Yorkers. Way think. too many New Yorkers. <laughs> Does the Tappan Zee Bridge have any spies on it? I don't think so. <laughs> John Travolta would argue for the Washington or George Washington Bridge. Is that the George Washington Bridge in that fucking movie? I think it is. Uh, I'm not sure. Ah, movie trivia. We'd we'd suck at this. What is it? Oh God, because this would kill me in movie trivia. Wow, that's a great question. Mm, I think it's so. The, it, are, well, so I'll, he live. What suburb does he live in? In that movie. Does he live in Jersey and then goes to the disco in Manhattan? I thought he was in Manhattan. Yeah, he like lived in Manhattan. He lived in Manhattan, but he wouldn't have been going because they were leaving the club that night and they like molest the, the girl yeah, in, the, that, in the back, right? Yeah, that's true. That's good movie trivia. Hmm. hmm. What bridge is, because everyone would say, oh, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. And no, it's not. I know that, but. God. Maybe he lived in Brooklyn, though. That might be true. Oh, but. Well, Shit. All right. Okay, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into it. Ready? First film. 1984's Splash. Directed by Ron Howard, as you said. Starring Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, Eugene Levy, and John Candy. Was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards that year. A young man is reunited with a mermaid who saved him from drowning as a boy. He falls in love with her, not knowing who or what she is. <laughs> Third Ron Howard movie. Uh, after uh, Grand Theft Auto and Night Shift mm. with Michael Keaton. Uh, this is technically the second Tom Hanks movie. He did a movie called He Knows You're Alone in 1980. It's kind of like this low-budget slasher flick. Interesting. Um, he had like a like bit part in it or whatever. But this is his first, you know, actual leading role, I Have Arrived movie star type performance. Oh. Uh, right on the heels of, as we said before, Bosom Buddies, I think his cameo on Happy Days is what attracted Ron Howard's attention. Yeah. And he's like, I need to pull this guy off of TV. I, th- there were many comments at the time of like people that worked on the show with him, other actors being like, yeah, too bad this guy's not going to be on TV much longer. Because it's like he's we knew good. it was going to be like a meteoric rise for him. Yeah. Uh, so this is it. This is sort of the the start. This is probably the first like iconic Ron Howard movie. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. But rewatching it. I had not seen it in many years. Okay. I never really realized how sitcom-y it was. It's very, very sitcom-y. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily in a bad way, but it definitely does feel like a throwback. And <laughs> yeah, I agree. It does not share uh, much in common with, say, Apollo 13, the next collaboration. No, it's so crazy that that's their next collaboration, right? Yeah. That is so weird. Completely, completely different film. But... Mm-hmm. um. <laughs> little here's the secret about adam hall you know you know you know my tastes they're kind of they're kind of weird i don't normally go for this type of stuff i it's one of my favorite movies on this list yeah isn't that crazy i love this movie okay question how important was daryl hannah to you as a young sprouting man as a young well as a as a budding adam hall well you know my love for blade runner yeah, so, it, there's a bit of there's a bit of me that has some fondness for her as as a result of that. Uh, I she's not <laughs> what she's 
She's not the girl as a young Spratty, but yeah, she's she's quite fetching. This performance, this per- <laughs> I learned a lot of things. I learned a lot of things about marine biology in this movie, Adam. Let me just tell you <laughs> it, 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 it's, about human and marine biology. You're a marine biologist. Why'd you say I'm a marine biologist? <laughs> I learned a lot of things. Learned a lot of things about the the, the female form in this movie. And looked directly into the blowhole. <laughs> I looked a couple times. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> looked a couple times to that blowhole. Goodness gracious, Daryl Hannah in this movie. Uh, she's God. really good. The chemistry of this <laughs> this couple is oh, goodness. should not work as well as it does. Oh my. Because I mean, even back then, a fish out of water story literally is not is not a new concept whatsoever. It's, hacky joke it's ever. so dumb. Like you look at this thing on the surface, and I was trying to explain it to Abby because she's never seen it. Uh, it's like, what are you watching? It's like it's about a guy who falls in love with a mermaid. Mm. But it's like delightful. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like it's 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 like my ideal cable movie with just brimming with charisma. There's exactly one thing I don't like about the movie. And this is going to vary person to person. It's just that I find John Candy for the first half of the movie to be absolutely insufferable. Okay. Some people are going to find that hilarious. And uh. I'm like, no, he's a jackass. I, I'm not enjoying my time with him. But everybody else especially Eugene Levy. <laughs> oh my God, he's so good. He's <laughs> just off the rails in this. Can I read you perhaps Roger Ebert's worst take of all time? Oh no. This is in his one and a half star review of Splash. Okay, And again, put this in context. This was at the time it was released. It was Tom Hanks' first leading role. He was just the guy from Bosom Buddies before this. Okay. okay. The mermaid is just fine. As played by the lovely Daryl Hannah, she is young and healthy and touchingly naive. But what about the guy who falls in love with her? It's here that the movie makes its catastrophic casting mistake. You see, they figured they have a comedy as long as the girl has a tail and a romance whenever she has legs. So they gave her a romantic leading man when they should have given her a lonely guy who could swim. The leading man is Tom Hanks. He is conventionally handsome and passably appealing. Ooh! (laughs) And would do in a secondary role. He'd be great, for example, as the straight arrow brother. Instead, they make him the mermaid's lover, and they cast John Candy as the brother. You remember Candy from SCTV. He is the large, shambling Charles Lawton type (laughs) who has such a natural charisma that he's funny just standing there. They should have made Candy the lover and Hanks the brother. Then we'd be on the side of the big lump who suddenly has a mermaid drop into his life and has to explain to her his creeping, uh, swinging singles brother. Plus, there's the sweet touch that this transcendently sexy mermaid has fallen for the tubby loser with the heart of lust and not for his slick brother. See what I mean? You're referring to yourself, Roger? (laughs) Instead, they go the other way. John Candy is not much used in the movie. Tom Hanks comes across as a standard young male lead. (laughs) Knives right now. (laughs) And they have to concoct a meaningless and boring subplot in order to make the movie long enough. Shots. Don't they know in Hollywood that once all wow. the geniuses think they finish with the screenplay, you just got to rotate everything 180 degrees and you got a movie. He wasn't having that Tom Hanks. Goodness gracious. Damn. Is there a more, you know, the, the Twitter account freezing cold takes? Is there a colder take than this one by Raj? I guess not. Standard leading man? Uh. Passable? 
He called Tom Hanks passable kinda, in his big screen debut. He makes the movie for me. What are we doing? He's fantastic in the movie. I don't. What are you talking about? Raj! <laughs> don't like the movie, but you want to make John Candy the lead of Splash? I do kind of love reviews like that because they sort of remind you, like, guys, if you ever uh, feel like you had a stupid take on a movie, mm. don't worry. The best of them had stupid takes yes. on a movie. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's an amazing artifact to look back and think, like, at one point in time, the greatest film critic in the world thought Tom Hanks couldn't, like, make it as a leading man. Doesn't like Die Hard either. I just don't... <sighs> the 80s were not his best period. No, no, I guess not. How about... Uh, How about that Friday the 13th Part 4 review? <laughs> I mean, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> the film is literally about stabbing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I, John Candy is a little grating. I do love the line where Tom Hanks is like, you brought a, a girlfriend to your own wedding. Yeah, that, that's a good But that's him. That's for him. Right. <laughs> but the character that John Candy's playing is awful. Like, like even I know like John Candy's like, you know, infinitely likable. Like you think it's impossible to hate him, but it is. I don't know. They push it a little too far. I really just don't like this character at all. He kind of gets in the way. Yeah, it. it but, you know, this is like sitcom brain talking yeah. with these guys like this is ron howard came from sitcoms was like a, a a young actor in sitcoms and i think was still in that mindset when he was making these things this is like yeah situation comedy you could see this being like a, a 22 episode sitcom that ran for a season on nbc and then got canceled you know yeah daryl hannah you know i mean the jokes are very much like that there's a lot of jokes per minute um i, I guess i didn't remember the movie being that overtly funny yeah it's sort of broad it's you know more broad than you would think yeah i think now i sort of think of tom hanks uh, you know as a guy in romantic comedies like sleepless in seattle or whatever or, or like even big to a certain extent and those are like comedies with something to say mm. this one i mean just really goes for the laughs more often than not oh uh, it's closer to a paul feig movie he would make something like this today sure honestly it's a little bit better than that. Yeah. Quit <laughs> dragging Paul Feig through the I just You're always picking on Paul Feig. He sucks, man. Uh, <laughs> but that being said, there are some great flashes of like, 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 you know, because I know you hate Ron Howard, but he's he can make good movies. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think he has much to do with how good this movie is. You know? Uh, <laughs> well, he needs to wrangle these actors and whatnot. Yeah. He needs to put them in the right place. And yeah. I, I certainly think his approach to certain scenes is really, really good, particularly when Daryl Hannah gets the water spray sprayed on her by Eugene Levy. That's a really good, like, like powerful moment that ends up being kind of disturbing by the mm-hmm. end of it with the way they have to carry her off and the way Tom Hanks, like, can't even go to help her because he's so shocked. I just think everything about the execution of that scene is incredibly well done. Well, also, that tail is, like, huge and disgusting. And the flopping oh my God. sound. Ugh. I mean, she is a fish, after all. She is a fish. This beautiful woman is a fish. <laughs> Let's not forget that. <laughs> First time I fall in love, she's a fish. She's a fish. <laughs> Seeing Tom Hanks in a tank covering his nuts. <laughs> I'm not a fish. <laughs> this is also like a movie with a lot of sex in it. Yes. I had, I guess, forgotten that part. Maybe like I just watched the, the edited cuts on cable, so maybe they took a lot of that stuff out when I was a kid. But, I mean, this is a relationship built entirely on sex, the two of them. It's the first thing they do is just have lots of sex with each other. But th- no, it's love making. It's not. They're not fucking Nico. This is. They this don't is, even exchange any words. It's just immediately. He doesn't know her name, and they just start <laughs> fucking. 
I mean, that's literally what happens. This here. is Nico's dream woman right here. Absolutely. <laughs> Just spare the chit chat, lady. I think he's cracking up because I'm putting myself in his shoes, and I, I would have no idea what the fuck is going on. A naked woman appears. It's like, what am I supposed to do with this? She'd be like reaching around me. My hands would be out here. What is that? What's going on? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, good movie. Splash. Uh, it was fun to revisit again. Just like such a brisk watch. I don't have like a tremendous amount to say to uh, about it. Like you kind of know what it is even before you see it. But it's but it's it never like I don't know. It, 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 so many of these movies can just like frustrate you with how eye rolly they are. But there's just something endearing about it, and I think it. For the most part, it's Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks working next to each other mm-hmm. with just the right amount of like supporting chemistry. Like I said, from Eugene Levy, mm-hmm. he's just I love that love that character. Yeah, I could do a whole movie with him. He's so fucking funny. Yeah, but I, I breezy watch for sure. Like none of these movies are boring if you can believe it. And we'll talk about another movie coming up. I am shocked that movie wasn't boring at all. Oh yeah. We'll get to we'll get to that. <laughs> oh yeah. Before Tom Hanks accepted the role, it had been turned down by. Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Dudley Moore, John Travolta, Michael Keaton, Jeff Bridges, Richard Gere, Kevin Klein, David Morse, Burt Reynolds, Robin Williams, John Hurd, Christopher Reed, and Robert Klein. Because they heard the mermaid thing and they're like, eh. Uh-uh, and Hanks, I think, always jokes he was like the 11th choice for the movie. There was a time when he was the 11th choice. Yeah. This is such a Bill Murray movie, though. Oh, my God. It's such a Bill Murray movie. You're so right. I mean, this is right in line. Now, you know what though? Chevy could have done it. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I that 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 whole gang is, yeah. is very much in their wheelhouse. Like can't like like Dan Aykroyd should have popped up in this movie. Hundred percent. You know? This could have been Chevy and Dan Aykroyd, and it could have been like an yep. SNL movie, and it would yes, have been yeah, exactly the same. You're right. Yeah. It's so much worse though. Yeah. It's I don't know. The, Tom Hanks just brings this like funny, affable humanity to it all. That, right. You know, that's Tom Hanks though. I guess for you. So. That is Tom Hanks. Also, this movie is credited for introducing the girl's name Madison. Uh, to pop culture became and, one of the most uh, popular newborn names in the early 21st century believe it or not Maddie's sister's name is Madison is it based on this well I don't think it's ba- well I'm gonna have to ask Donnie <laughs> gonna have to ask Tim and Don in between your big fans of Splash well it's, it's funny you say that Adam yeah. <laughs> turns out I'm actually a fish uh, <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all fishes Spray me with that hose, will you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 1992's A League of Their Own is next. My mind went to a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> a League of Their Own from 1992. <laughs> directed by Penny Marshall. Starring Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Lori Petty, and Madonna. Ever heard of her? Madonna? Yeah. I have not heard of Madonna. Great actress. Great actress. Two sisters join the first female professional baseball league and struggle to help it succeed amidst their own growing rivalry. I'm a big Penny Marshall fan. I think this movie should have been directed by Fincher, if you ask me. Okay. It would have been interesting to see him and Madonna make a movie together, especially a movie like this. We all know David Fincher's love for baseball. Uh... Certainly. Could have really got into the alcoholism of Tom Hanks here. That's Could true. have really explored yeah. that even further. Yeah, that's true. Could have ended in his suicide. Right. That would have been nice. 
Yeah, I, I I think you're onto something there. I'm a big Penny Mar. I think Penny Marshall's like the female Rob Reiner. Like I just think like, yeah. she makes like solid, solid like movies, yeah. comedy dramas. Started with Big, right? Or one of her first movies. Anyway. It was right. It, well, it was Big Awakenings and League of Their Own is like the big run right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I like them all. Um, and this might be her best one. What say you? Ooh. I mean, it has Lori Petty in it, so therefore it is the best. It's got it's Tank Girl in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I really do have to stress, because <laughs> this is an awesome movie, but like, yeah. I sort of realize like, Lori Petty is kind of my girl. Yeah. I mean, what, what a surprise, right? Lori <laughs> Petty's my girl. Right. But like, I don't, I don't know, man. She's just like one of those truly forever endearing characters, and I just, it's my favorite thing about the movie is just everything she does in this. Yeah. And I can watch more, almost more so than Tom Hanks, even though he's fucking remarkable in this movie. He's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievably he's good unbelievably good at this. <laughs> he's just too fucking... He does this a year before Philadelphia, and it's like, how was it not three Oscars in a row? I know. Like, he's so amazing. I know. This, because this one too, I mean, like this... It, you would think that people at this point would have been completely turned on to how great this guy was. I mean, I guess they were. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, Big was probably the one where it's like, oh, he's not just a comedic lead. Like, he can actually carry a, a um, serious Oscar-nominated movie. I think that was an Oscar-nominated performance. Big. Was it? I think oh. so. Yeah. How was this one not? Because it's funny. I was watching it with my dad, and he said, oh, what did he win for this? And he didn't right. win Yeah, anything. you'd imagine you just he's, swept. Yeah. Yeah. At least get nominated, but no. Yeah. No, he's amazing. It's, yeah. It is the one performance that's kind of not remarked upon, even though, and obviously you'll say Philadelphia is the one where he becomes like the serious dramatic lead, where it's like, oh, he's actually one of the great actors of his generation, not just a like great yeah. leading man. But this was kind of the movie, and I know it's still a comedy, so you can always say like, all right, it's a, it's still like a light baseball movie. But that performance is really the one that I think push the boundaries of what he's capable of mm-hmm. and he's like i'm gonna play just like an alcoholic that pisses on the field and shows up to you know every game hammered um and i guess kind of has a heart of gold but they they don't really they don't really play those notes in this movie like they allow him to be an asshole he's a real asshole in this but still a f- loving and entertaining asshole though yeah. when, when all is said and done you still get a kick out of him running after the little kid with a baseball bat certainly you know and, and he knows that you're gonna get a kick out of that yeah. it's it's the it's the one one of those few performances because generally speaking drunks are not well-liked characters and he somehow makes this the most entertaining lovable drunk because well, he's Tom Hanks drunk exactly you know if you ran into Tom Hanks drunk on the street you'd be like really charmed he'd kick you he could kick you in the balls and you'd be like thank you thank you thank you sir may i have another yeah Yeah. so yeah i man man Hmm. he's really good in this movie he's He's really good he's really he he gained 30 pounds for it too i noticed that too yeah everyone gives him credit for losing the weight in philadelphia whatever but not to obviously it's a great performance in philadelphia but he does the same thing here he gains the weight and then he loses it the next year to, to play an AIDS patient, mm-hmm. I mean, like, he's he's really doing good work in this disposable comedy. And I, I think at the time, it's Penny Marshall, Gina Davis, like, you know, even now, I think the movie is kind of underestimated because it is a serious piece of, like, dramatic filmmaking as well. Like, like yeah, the, there's a lot. It's of it. a really impactful Great Sisters movie. I was just about to say that. We were talking the other uh, a little while ago. I forgot. Um with like Hannah and her sisters and how there's not many good sisters movies, but yeah. this is a solid sisters movie. And I was sort of reminded about that on rewatch. Mm. And it's funny because 
I I recalled like enjoy like liking Gina Davis uh, a lot when I first saw, and she's she's good in the movie. But I was I had forgotten how much of like she's how close to the villain she is in a in a weird way, yeah. and how Laurie Petty is more so the hero. Yeah, you know, subtly so, of course. But yeah. I sort of like that that uh, that funny trick that the movie plays, yeah. and how well it pays off. I mean, mm-hmm. it really works by the end. Yeah, it's really good. Um, when Hanks was first cast, or when Penny Marshall first asked him to do it, he said that he wasn't sure because he was too young he didn't think he could play this character because he thought the character was supposed to be sort of an old washed up disheveled guy um but penny marshall i think pointed out very smartly it's like no it's like baseball is the type of career where it's like you have 10 years of a peak or whatever you you know try to make it for 10 years and then when you fail and bottom out uh, like life comes at you quick you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like the the wash up quote unquote happens much sooner in that kind of career um so he's yeah he's playing a young guy but he's uh you know he's 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 actually perfect for this role you know you expect somebody like i don't know like a nick nolte type or like you know maybe somebody like slightly older with like you know more of a grovelly voice and like they can more credibly play like an alcoholic um, it's not the tone for this movie, though. right? You know, there's something. Yeah, there's something about this casting. I'm not sure yeah. anybody else could have played this part. Is what I'm trying to say. That's what blows my mind about casting. Like sometimes, like a casting decision, it's not just it's not just can you play the character. It's more about like does your personality fit within the tone of my movie? Yeah, which is why like when you see Jared Leto sometimes pop up in movies, his tone and what he admits just doesn't quite work right you know and why it can be so frustrating seeing sure. him in certain movies well, it doesn't match the energy of the movie no no yeah a lot of times you can maybe say in a in a bubble eh, yeah good pretty, pretty good performance but then you look at it right collectively you, you have to yeah 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 exactly right uh big hit at the box office uh cost 40 million made 107 um and of course like is in the national film registry um there's no crying in baseball is uh one of the great lines of all time. I mean, uh, you know, one of those sports movies. That's the thing about baseball movies is that most of the time they suck. But when they're good, they are sort of part of the American fabric. You know, yes, in the are. way that like Field of Dreams or, you know, The Natural or something like that is. That's cool that this this of all the movies is certainly part of that fabric. One about women fucking baseball players. Mm. I mean, that's a, kind of unheard of, right? Right. Yeah. Apparently, this league was actually pretty successful, though. Yeah. yeah. It lasted for like 15 years and once they started televising baseball, mm. that was the thing that the thing that kind of killed it. Because at the time, they were playing in a lot of towns that didn't have access to live baseball. Uh, I see. Okay. You know, and it was also, of course, as a result of the war. So there was a, a real like hunger for stuff like this. And uh, the Women's Baseball League was the only game in town, mm. essentially. Uh, and then once they started televising it, that was the end of it. But wow. um, yeah. Good movie. Like, really good movie. I think I watched it for the first time when I was in high school. Is that right? It was like when my his, my history teacher would like just come into class one day oh. and it's like, we're not learning about anything today. I'm just going to play you a movie that I like. That's... And one of those movies was A League of Their Own. And we just watched it. It was great. Neat. It's one of those movies I, I've just, I saw collectively because of cable. It just, yeah. it was always on and yeah. there it is again, you know? Yeah. Got got a lot of like funny names in it that pop up too. I just, the, you know, the fact that like Sharona from Monk is in this. John Lovitz. John Lovitz, yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> he's great. Though. He's he's good. First half hour of that movie. I love John Lovitz. <laughs> uh, cool. Anything else you have to say about that? Nope. Solid movie. Solid. Solid, solid. Important, I think, for Hags. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a few that are, I mean, yeah, we are, we're going to talk about the three that are important. We've got one more. 
We do. Yep. It's called Philadelphia. Mm. It's about the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, it's about, I think, the streets of Philadelphia, as Bruce Springsteen described in song. Ah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's a good song. Why was Bruce Springsteen hired to do this? I don't He's know. from Jersey. Are there no Philadelphia musicians that could have done that song? Because Jonathan Demme thought that's the sound. I don't know. Yeah, but don't like Philly and Jersey hate each other? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> do they? Yeah, I guess they I do. I think they do. <laughs> Does that bother you as a sports fan? I, I I guess, I don't know. It bothers me as a fan of the boss, I think. It's like, what, what's, what's the boss doing in Philly? <laughs> what, what does he know about the streets of Philadelphia? <laughs> you don't think it's uh, his words are authentic? I don't think so. No, I think he's describing like the Jersey Turnpike as he's writing this song. I don't think any of this has, you know, what's he's, it's like what? Philly cheesesteaks. Like what's the song about? <laughs> Could you imagine they're playing? <laughs> they Liberty end, Bell. Liberty, they end the fucking On movie. the streets of Philadelphia. <laughs> they end the movie with those horribly sad videos and it's just <laughs> Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> Why is this movie called Philadelphia. It has nothing to do with the city of Philadelphia, except for the one line about it being the city of brotherly love. The movie, I mean, the opening is is the most, the opening credits is the most Philadelphia movie I've ever seen. Okay. Um, and then that's it. And, and then it ceases to be a movie about Philadelphia. Well, what's, I hear the, isn't the backstory uh, related to cases that happened in Philadelphia? Isn't that kind of the I, idea? Yes. It's based on this guy, uh, Jeffrey Bowers. Um, and there are, yes, similar, I'm not sure if it actually, if that was a character in Philadelphia, but, um, but I think like the, the notion that like, it's, you know, the, the, I guess Demi takes the line, like the city of brotherly love and sort of deep, you know, examines it for a case like this and what, what makes it important. I guess that's the thematic through line here. (laughs) Jeffrey Bowers was from Boston. Okay. He lived in Boston. All right. So yeah, close enough. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really sure what the name is about or the song or anything like that. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's guy like the song, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. directed by Jonathan Demi. I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stars Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, Antonio Banderas, and Jason Robards. My boy, Jason Robards. Mm-hmm. Winner of Best Actor and Best Original Song for Streets of Philadelphia, the aforementioned, and was also nominated for Original Screenplay, Makeup, and uh, Original Song again with Neil Young's Philadelphia. I was under the impression it was nominated for Best Picture. I thought it was too, but I guess not. Yeah, kind of strange because it's like thought of as like an, an Oscar bait movie, right? Well, it's an Oscar bait movie for Hanks. Yeah, and, you know, when a man with HIV is hired by his law firm or is fired from his law firm because of his condition, <laughs> I'm suing them because they hired me. <laughs> Pardon. He hires a homophobic small time small time lawyer as the only willing advocate for a wrongful dismissal suit. What were you going to say? Well, I rewatched it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still like the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't hold up as well as I thought. Okay, I'm interested in this because I rewatched it as well. Uh-huh. I definitely watched this again in, in high school or college. I forget exactly what, but it was to learn about the AIDS epidemic. It was definitely high school history class, as a matter of fact. And I don't remember it being this fucking weird. It's a weird movie. Like, Jonathan Demme directs this thing like Silence of the Lambs. 
Sometimes, well, you know what I mean. Those 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 close up into the camera shots. A lot of like close ups, yeah. like the guy, you know, Denzel in the courtroom is speaking directly to you. Um, the opera scene in this movie is bizarre. It's, like it's, it's such so like good. it. It's amazing. It's it's in low key one of my favorite things John, Jonathan Demme's ever done. It's unbelievable. But that's you know a Demi stroke of genius. Like this is not just like a run of the mill courtroom Oscar bait movie. My least favorite thing about it are the courtroom scenes. Okay, honestly, because hmm. it, it it strikes me as a movie that was made more so to get the word out than to like tell its story. Right. More than anything, it's like okay, let's it's an ju- issues movie. Yeah, let's deal with the issue. We don't. It's not. It's not the whether what the story is. It doesn't matter. Let's just do a movie about AIDS. And so, I think that was the origin, by the way. Okay. Is that Demi had a friend that died of AIDS. So, okay, okay. And he's like, I want to make a movie about AIDS. Now what? All right. And then they arrived at this. Because there's a lot of half-baked elements in this movie. Okay, give me an example. Well, the courtroom scenes okay. are just like shrug. There's yeah. a few moments that are wonderful, but I don't understand the case aside from these guys fired him because he had AIDS and that's it. They don't really talk about it all that much. Yeah. They don't go into it. There's a ton of ambiguity even by the end of it of what like what actually happened right. it's all so much of the sabotage is implied and yeah we know that it happened but it's just so bare it's so interesting how much of the movie doesn't seem totally interested in the case itself right that's a good point yeah the the courtroom stuff does sort of feel like an afterthought a lot and, of the time and they're quick they're yeah There's i mean no- i think some of the scenes themselves like the mary steenberg and stuff is really good like mm-hmm. i think and also like that piece of casting is really good yeah i agree putting like this soft gentle mom as the face of like this this horrible law firm yeah it's like pretty brilliant um and denzel is like really really good good in those scenes but yeah they don't really get like into the actual nuances of the case it's not really a detail-oriented movie and a lot of times, yeah, in courtroom dramas, that's sort of the key is is detail. Like, you need to understand exactly what the jury is going through, what the stakes are. And also, at the end of the movie, like, the jury just sort of decides after very little deliberation, yeah, yeah we're just going to give him $4 million. Yep. And that's it. And it's kind of like a happy ending, but not really. But yeah, I, I think you're right in that the courtroom stuff was clearly put in there to sell the movie. And it worked because the movie made a lot of money. And, you know, was very important for, you know, gay cinema and the whole issue at large. But um, I think was put in there as just sort of like, this is the tree that we're going to hang all of these leaves off of. But we're way more interested in the leaves. You know, we're way more interested in the scenes with Tom Hanks and Antonio Banderas together or scenes of Tom Hanks listening to opera and contemplating his own mortality Mm -hmm. or the scene when they're in the library and Denzel is like hiding behind the stack of books and he's watching somebody discriminate against Hanks. Like those are the scenes that Demi's really interested in doing. Um, And I, but here's the thing. I think those scenes are pretty remarkable. Yes, I agree too. They're fucking awesome. Yeah. It's just interesting. Like you have this really, really gorgeous piece Mm. with just such obvious imperfections, but like, I don't, like I, I do re- this thing. I really, really like the movie. It's just interesting how many details are are sort of not fully realized, mm. and that's really what it feels like. It's not even that. Like I think the courtroom scenes are bad. Mm. It's just like they they don't fully live up to their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find that so interesting. I think the transitions in this movie suck. The transitions. There are wipe transitions. Oh yeah, 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 no. Every time it happens, I'm like, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, they do that a lot. 
And it's just like, why? It's a strange, strange choice. Yeah, they do the 360 spin mm-hmm. at one point, which is- like, Multiple times. Yeah. It's like iMovie transitions. Yeah. It's like fifth grade, like, you know, like- uh, the, the, the last time I saw it in a movie was in John Waters' Hairspray. I just, right. <laughs> it's like- <laughs> It's like, no, it doesn't work here, Jonathan Demi. Why did you do that? Demi's trying a lot of stuff. Yes. I mean, that's like, he is trying to make an art house film under the guise of like, you're right, an Oscar bait courtroom drama. And, you know, I think at times like it really works. Like I will take this over, you know, whatever the equivalent is today, whether it's like, you know, the the movie with Adam Driver, the report from a couple years ago, oh. or, you know, sort of... um you know, or, or even Trial of Chicago 7. There's another, which is like a movie that has really aged poorly for me over the last year. Like, mm-hmm. um, I will take something like this, which is like trying to go for something a little more abstract and a little more ethereal. I agree. You know, and it wor- here's the thing. At the, despite my like, I guess, technical issues, the movie still works. Mm-hmm. It still gets me. That ending... Yeah. Oh my god, sobbing. It's it's impossible. I was fucking sobbing at the it's end. It's like of this. fuck, that's so true. It's it's and d- again, despite the imperfections, it really is a beautiful movie. Yeah. It really honestly is. Denzel putting the mask on his face in the last moment, like I just fucking lost it. I absolutely lost it during that. And then when the whole family's you know, going through and saying their goodbyes and be like, see you tomorrow, whatever, and his mom comes up. Like the mom is unbelievable in this too. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Can I talk about that opera scene and just how I think it's like, you know, it's like one of the best things ever. You could argue it's the best scene that Demi ever shot. Yeah, you could. There is such brilliance. I just want to talk about lighting. Let's talk about it. Because you have like like this really free flowing thing that Andy's going through as he's sort of, you know, talking about how much the song means to him and sort of the, you know, the contemplation of morality. But if you like forget about that and you just watch this guy as a person who's just taking this time to be alive you get again you get this like sort of weird ethereal camera that's just floating around his his emotions and he's lit with the front light and then this red light all around him and just does this wonderful job at like illustrating how like beautiful and alive this person is but how much pain he has Mm -hmm. it's like a hellish look Mm. at the same time so he's like equal parts you know um i guess you could say uh, what's the best way to describe it? <sighs> He's like equal parts struggling, but at, at the same time, couldn't be happier to be who he is. Yeah. Um, and then you cut to D- Denzel. Oh my God. The Denzel shot when he's in silhouette for like 10 seconds. It feels like he's hesitating. It's like, I don't want to accept this person. Right. And then you get this flashing light. And as the scene progresses, it becomes lighter and lighter. Oh my God. And by, and by the end of it, he kind of falls in love with the guy. Yeah. And it crushes you. Goodness gracious. Denzel's unbelievable you, in that scene, by you, the way. Yeah, you like his face in that one moment yeah. of like he's like no. on the verge of tears, but also like he's watching something so beautiful. It's like it's he, he's unbelievable in that. Yeah. How was Denzel not nominated for this Oscar? Because here's Denzel's low-key the lead in this. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's actually it's, Denzel's it's movie. Hanks yeah. is kind of the supporting character, and because Denzel just is Every bit as good as Hanks, if not better than him. Oh, you, you, because the thing is, you know how wonderful of a person Andy is before yeah, that. Right. Whereas, like prior, you don't fully understand like like the the level of conflict going on and this guy's this guy's body. You just understand he's a bigot, and it's like, ah, oh, fuck him, he's a bigot. Right. But then you understand like how complicated that is for him as he goes along as the movie goes along, right. and then to see him accept Andy so cinematically. By the way, oh my god, there's not a it's word, all visual, not a word spoken by the guy. In, yeah. 
I know exactly all the things that are going on with yeah. him. And it is such a gorgeous moment. Yeah. It's like I'm just bowing at the movie at it's that amazing. point. It's insanely good. It's fucking amazing. That's the movie. Like, like yeah. I will. I, That's I, the whole movie. I'll rewatch the movie just to get to that scene. It is in astonishing filmmaking right it is two yeah. minutes it just tells you the entire arc of mm-hmm. it's it, you know he grows to love he really just grows to accept him is really yeah. the thing yeah you know he doesn't really grow to agree with him or agree with his lifestyle like that's the other thing it the movie doesn't sort of make any excuses for denzel like he they show him as a bigot and he kind of remains a bigot throughout but like he learns to accept him and he and also because of his love of the law or whatever yeah. like he he uh he takes on the case um, but that's the moment at the end. There's nothing like, you know, I've learned the error of my ways and now I think gays are just like the rest of us. It's nothing like that, you know? Really, we are. You're gay. I'm gay. Well, like, it's nothing like that, you know? Which you would expect out of a lesser movie like this. Oh, my God. You just ins- you just inspired the best SNL skit ever. Right. Where- <laughs> you switched the ending of Philadelphia around a little bit. And say like Andy doesn't doesn't get off, and, right. and the other guys win. Then the entire courtroom stands up. I'm gay. Right. I'm gay. No, I'm gay. Which, in which an is, I am Spartacus moment. <laughs> you know how that that's how Sorkin would have ended it, though. That's right. You know that's, what I mean? That's exactly what happens. That's exactly right. how Sorkin. Oh god, ends that it. ending sucks. And Sorkin would have done the exact same thing with this. That is the it's the oh that ending pissed me but off. But here so much. it's like yeah. all right, Denzel kind of took the case because it's you know he believes in the law, but also like it's pretty good publicity for him and. He he obviously makes a lot of money as a result of this. And so whatever, like they go through the motions and there's kind of a victory in the courtroom or whatever. And then he goes back to the hospital bed and he doesn't say anything to him. He just adjusts the mask over his face and he finally touches him, I think, for the first time in the entire movie. Yeah. And that's it. It's a person. And that and yeah, that's yeah. It. he just accepts him as a person. person. And that's the thing about the movie. It's that Tom Hanks's character is not like a messianic figure he's not like this you know magic gay savior or whatever like he's just like a guy he's one of many victims of of this horrible disease and he's just another number and there's nothing stereotypical about his performance you could have you could have right again you could play a gay performance quite stereotypically and he doesn't do that whatsoever no it is so fucking authentic um you know hey he really he he gets his time to shine in like the first twenty minutes when mm. he's he's walking around the office and like everybody loves him and he's you know he's doing like the Saul Goodman thing you know, yeah like, yeah, yeah. like pitter patter or whatever um and, but yeah it's uh it's like a a really nuanced um, performance which in nineteen ninety three is you know pretty fucking groundbreaking mm-hmm. um you know the the first sort of mainstream movie about the AIDS crisis um. Yeah, it's great. It's just, it is real performance it, movie. I mean, yes, both it, of these guys are like, it, and you're you know, Hanks is great. Obviously, yes, give him the Oscar, whatever. Is this another one of your like like Denzel like like uh, Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman moments? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Denzel's better in this. When like if I you had to give an Oscar to one of the two, I mean, Tom Hanks is just transforms like yeah, so transforms what? with like know. well, here's the thing like transforms without like transforming like it's not as obvious it's not as like an as obvious of a transformation as like what dustin hoffman's going through he still is clearly tom hanks but somehow 
you change your nuances in just the little right ways where it's like you become Andy. It's 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 a really great performance, too. It's really fucking good. It's great, obviously. It's great. But like Denzel carries this thing. Well, what I agree with you here is that this is one of those like case in point examples of how important a supporting role is. Right. You know, it's just like But I don't think he's a supporting role. I really think I, he's I know. The, lead. I, I, the entire I, arc is him. Well, that's what I'm saying though, yeah. how the fact that he kind of convinces you that he's almost more the lead in a weird way. Yeah. Even though technically he's a supporting role. If I were to do it now I would nominate him for best actor and I would nominate H- Hanks for supporting I think that's how I, even though Hanks gets the first 20 minutes or whatever like Denzel dominates the screen time and, and the lines and everything right mm. and it's also his transformation that, that he's you know Hanks kind of stays Hanks it is it, I, I guess like you know at the end of the day, I guess Andy is kind of the rock. Yeah. But I mean, it is his story. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't end with, you know, uh, Denzel Washington's home movies. Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. It, it's hard to deny him that. Like, like, could you imagine how much trouble you'd get in if you cast a vote that way? Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, and I guess Denzel already won his Oscar for glory. So I guess that might I be always forget that he won for glory. Yeah. I don't know why. But. So he, he won that several years early. And he and I think wasn't he snubbed for Malcolm X? They didn't give yeah. it to him for Malcolm X. That's right. That's weird. And that's strange. That's weird. Yeah. He's great in that. Yeah. Um, so I think at that point, like, it's like, all right, we gave the kid one already. And so now it's Hanks' time. Because, um, again, this is the guy that did Splash and Big and the Burbs. <laughs> there were some Oscar voters like the fucking guy with the mermaid movie. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. I, I, I really like it. You know, I, I agree with you that it is flawed. It's it's. um. You know, at times, Demi is maybe doing a little too much directing. Yeah. And you wonder if it's necessary for a story like this. I have no but like you said, though, I'd rather have this. Yeah, like you said, I 100%. would rather, you know, when you when you mentioned uh, Trial of the Chicago Center, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck that. Exactly. Give me this. Yeah. Exactly. A um, couple facts here. Uh, <laughs> these always crack me up. John Leguizamo was offered the role of Miguel Alvarez. <laughs> but turned it down to play Luigi in Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> good for you, man. <laughs> Banderas is really good in this movie, too, by the he way. He is. Yeah, he's actually quite good. Yeah. yeah. He could, like, barely speak English, too, at this time, according to him. Like, he was, like, sort of feeling his way through it. Hey, I understood what he was saying. Yeah. This stuff is saving your life. I love Banderas. <laughs> guy's a great actor. Yeah, he is a good actor. <laughs> Uh, and this was not so fun. It's actually like the most depressing thing I've ever read. Uh, there were uh, 53 extras cast in this movie who were uh, infected with AIDS mm. at the time of shooting the film. Oh, my God. By the time the movie was released, 43 of those 53 had died. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Just thought I'd put that out there. Yeah, that's terrible. Philadelphia. Watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I, really- I think it's easy to kind of dismiss it as like a... You know, issues driven AIDS movie Oscar bait thing, but it's much more than that because like Demi rules. It no, at the end of the uh, the feet of direction and, and the performances in this movie are, are enough. Despite yes, I still think it has some imperfections, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it, again like I, I I sometimes don't notice them for how good the good parts are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that like I said that that opera scene, that's it. Doesn't get better. No, yeah, doesn't get better. All right, next up. Toy Story 3 mm. from 2010, directed by Lee Unkrich, starring the huge Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Joan Cusack, and Ned Beatty as Lotso. <laughs> Fucking Lotso, man. 
It is Ned Beatty. Is that Ned Beatty? It's Ned Beatty. Wow. Winner of Best Animated Feature or Best Original Song at the Academy Awards for Randy Newman's We Belong Together. Also had a Best Picture nomination that year, along with a Sound Editing and Adapted Screenplay nomination. A force at the 2010 Oscars. Wow. The toys are mistakenly delivered to a daycare center instead of the attic right before Andy leaves for college. And it's up to Woody to convince the other toys that they weren't abandoned and to return home. Movie made a billion dollars worldwide. People love that Toy Story. This is supposed to be the last one. It's supposed to be the last one. Uh, wasn't. I was very mad when they announced Toy Story 4 was coming. And then I saw Toy Story 4 and I'm like, yeah, why not make five more? Who yeah, because yeah. Toy Story 4 rocks. Yeah, what's the problem here? Yeah, I don't care. Get at me. Uh, yeah, man. We've had some disagreements about the Toy Story franchise over the years. Some slight disagreements, I would say. We've talked about all three of them now. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I uh, Trojan horsed two f- for one of the pods. Yes. So, uh, you believe that two is the best movie of the three? No, I, this is a hard because this is one of those like like always will always always be a Sophie's choice for me because I love all three of these movies. Uh-huh. You know, and I hate the safe answer with one. One is my favorite. Two is really good though. I don't know. It, I I think if. The original Toy Story was not the original Toy Story that this would be my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think like this is, if you want to sort of define what Pixar does well. This is it. And their ability to sort of make a movie for four quadrants, you know, and uh, age with the audience and put stuff in there for adults as well as kids. Um, I mean, this is it. Specifically the incinerator scene. I mean, that's just like, yeah. oh my God, like this Hard. isn't a kid's movie. I know. Uh, I remember watching it for the first time and just sobbing. I was, I, I watched this with my siblings. Uh, I think we didn't see it in the theater. We rented it. Um, and, and we were just, all three of us, just sobbing uncontrollably at the end of this thing. Actually, in the incinerator scene as well, sobbing. When you cut to Bullseye, clawing his way off the trash, trying to get up. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like, it's uh, yeah, it's like you're watching a Mad Max movie, but it's in fucking Toy Story. Um, and I know, you know, people have, I think, a problem... I've, I've, there's been some controversy, I think, surrounding that scene because, like, it, it kind of uses pretty, like, easy stakes, you know? Whereas... The original movie, it's like Woody falls out of a moving truck. How can he get onto the moving truck? Yeah. Or like he falls out of the window. How does he climb his way out of the bushes? How does he get from one house to the other? Right. That's like half the conflict in that movie just becomes I'm over at my neighbor's house, but I want to get over there. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas this one is like, okay, what if the toys almost burnt a lot? <laughs> what if we almost <laughs> melted them to, yes. to, yeah, to sludge? Yeah. But I don't know. I think that scene's kind of amazing. It works. It yeah. doesn't matter. People, I don't like it when people do that. Yeah. It's like, but does it work? It works. Yes, it does. Do when they hold hands? Yeah. Holy shit, man. When yeah. the toys hold hands at the end and just like <laughs> accept their inevitable demise, it's like, oh my God. I don't think I've ever met a person who didn't cry at the end of this movie. Too. Oh my goodness. Because <laughs> it works. But I, I cried after four as well. I cried during all of them. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just a fucking, I'm a bitch. Yes. <laughs> but, but, Movie I get, theater, Toy Story 4. I, I'm, I'm, really? uh, yeah. I saw it at a drive-in. I'm with a lady and I'm just like trying to conceal my tears. Just, I, I cannot contain myself. And it's like, I'm, I'm not going to let this person see me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that was a mistake. Aw. <laughs> 
Sobbing. Oh, That's why you need me there. Because <laughs> there's no way that would have happened. Exactly. <laughs> there's no fucking way that would have happened. Right. Well, it's like it, you, you see a, a tear streaming down my face, and I'm like, look at this guy. <laughs> look at this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be such a bro. Just drowning. <laughs> Remember when we saw Star is Born? The three of us, me, you, and Abby, and Abby was just like crying. Her, <laughs> just in a puddle. <laughs> she cries a lot. She cries a lot. She cried. She cries during Dances with the Stars. <laughs> when JoJo lost? Yeah. She's very depressed. She's like, Adam, I don't like that. I don't like that. No, it's the speeches they give, though. Mm. You know, it's like how they're they're doing this for their husband who died and stuff like oh, that. Oh, you know, God. That makes her cry. So. No, yeah, I'll, I'm sometimes a sucker for those, too. Like, really? I used to cry during, like, The Biggest Loser. Remember that show? The Biggest Loser. you never seen The Biggest Loser? I have, but that made you cry. That uh, made me cry a bunch, yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I'm just a sucker for this shit. Damn. You give me a sad story with some like string music underneath, forget it. I don't cry very often during I'm television. Gone. I'm gone. It's like with Sebastian Maniscalco. He talks about I'm undercover boss. I'm out. He just starts crying during an undercover boss. Oh my God. <laughs> undercover. What about Shark Tank? You ever cry during Shark Tank? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Last time I cried for television was like I was so heartbroken over what what Walt was turning into when he said we're a family in season five. That got me. It's been that long. Yeah. Oh God, it's been so what eight years? Yeah. Yeah, it's been about eight hours for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't cried in eight years. Dude, I was crying during Finch. Really? Finch made me cry. The fucking robot and Finch made me cry. And the dog? The dog is so cute. He's like, take care of the dog. I'm going to go through movies now. What about like... Oh uh, my God, I was crying so hard. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm assuming... I'm assuming... <laughs> there's... I want to like run through movies now. <laughs> Finch just destroyed... What? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but not Princess Switch. You don't cry during Princess Switch. No, I just... You, just well, you heartless bastard. Knowing I'll never get with Vanessa Hudson. <laughs> in my life. Knowing that the love of my life has gotten away. <laughs> was she the love of your Betrothed life? Betrothed to another. Who was each other's love of their lives? Because Zach has Mila Kunis. Uh, I had a couple, man. You had a couple. I went through a lot. No, I, got, I went through a lot of babes. <laughs> Miko got around. <laughs> I went through a number of celebrity crushes. In my oh, that's funny. okay. Yeah, uh, Toy Story three. Do you believe that? Uh, well, obviously, Toy Story four is out now, so that theory has been disproven. But at the time, were you into this theory that the incinerator? actually worked and that the rest of the movie was like a dream inside of Woody's head. What? Yeah, that was a big popular theory. No, I didn't. I, I was didn't. way into that theory. I was 100% sure. And then you had to remind yourself it's a it's a fucking kids movie. Then I had to yes, but then Toy Story 4 came out and it disproved that entire thing. But I was for sure certain that the last 20 minutes of that movie were all in Woody's head. Fan theories are such bullshit. <laughs> I rarely ever think that. Rarely. Yeah. yeah. Lotso, great villain. Yeah, maybe the, one of the better ones. Sid is probably the best. Stinky Pete's good, too. Stinky Pete. Kelsey Grammer, come on. Stinky Pete's pretty good. Who's the one in four? The the, the doll played the doll. by... Uh, 
Joan from Mad Men. Is that right? Is that was that who it was? Yeah, because she's great in that too, and I like what they do with her villain too. Yeah, that movie's pretty good. I don't know, guy. Like, there's a lot of people who don't like Toy Story Four. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. What's the deal? I, I think it's <sighs> comfortably the the fourth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. 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 You know, I would, say, but I. But the bar is so high. The bar is incredibly high, and so, I still think like it's great. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's the best thing that it's my favorite thing that Pixar has put out in a number of years. So yeah, there was this I think idea too that it was not necessary, and they had ended it perfectly with three. But you think about it, it's like this movie came out what nine years after, after. Toy Story two. Yeah, so there was a big gap there, and so this is. Another, you know, 2010 to 2019 was the gap between three and four. So I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you could argue it's a nice epilogue, but they're probably going to do a fifth one. Oh, for sure. So Pixar is just doing sequels now. I know. This era of Pixar is quite bad. So I'm not into this. No. Like, we're just going to get like four more Cars movies and like, I liked Soul. I know you don't like Soul, but I, I found Luca to be very underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I found Onward to be very underwhelming. Yeah. No, they are, both of them. You know? I, I just think, like, their original stories are kind of weak sauce. Like, I think they... Well, I what they did is they lost sight of that premise of, like, what if fish could talk? Mm. You know? What if toys could talk? And that's it. And let's go... You know, let's, let's sort of, uh, you know, find the adventure in the mundane. Yeah, I agree. Whereas in this one, it's like, all right, what if, like, monsters went to high school and, like, fought dragons? <laughs> It's like, okay, all right, fine. Yeah. DreamWorks has done this 10 times. Already. <laughs> what if there were two boys in Italy that biked around Italy on a Vespa? Okay. It's a sequel to Splash. Great. <laughs> uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm saying, like, I think the, the they've lost sight of, like, the high concept stuff. And that's... The simplicity is sort of yeah, gone. Yeah, the simplicity is gone. I, I agree with that. There, I mean... Cars was their big like misstep where you could argue they're doing the same thing like like making the mundane interesting but like I don't know what it cars just no. no the problem with cars is that they live in the world of cars that's yeah. the problem with that movie yeah. it's that they don't have to contend with the humans at all it's just like cars that race around on a racetrack for some reason yeah there's just something really dumb about it's it it's just really stupid you know like so there's still NASCAR racing in a world where cars drive themselves yeah I don't like that movie don't care, but it like sold more merchandise than any other Pixar movie, so they just kept making more. That was the whole thing with that. Yeah, I don't know what their next like big thing, big good thing is going to be. Mm. Yeah, it's been a while for me. I, I like Coco. I like Coco a lot. Coco's good. Yeah, Coco's good. No, they're kind of they're kind of uh, running on fumes here. But there's uh, an interesting thing about Coco is that it's not like a simple idea. That's a, that's much more difficult and complex. But somehow they they that's one of the only instances where like the 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 I guess you could say non high concept uh, Pixar movies actually ex, you know excels. I suppose yes. I, I'm I'm fine with that. But yeah, I don't know. Wait, what is it about fucking Luca? It's just fucking dull, man. It's it, Dullsville. Cause like it should work. Right? It's dull. <laughs> the movie's boring. It's fucking boring. Yeah. It's call me by your name without the fucking. But it's boring. But sea monsters. Sure. <laughs> it's just dull, man. Yeah. It's just boring. It's it's nothing. It's a nothing movie. It's a disposable nothing movie. I did honestly have more fun with Onward. But this is what Pixar's doing now, is they're making movies for Disney Plus. Like they've just 
they've banished all of the Pixar movies at Disney Plus. It seems like they're getting released there and not in the theaters anymore. It's not as much an, of a, an event. Right. It used to be like a big deal. There'd be Pixar, like one movie. Yeah. I think the probably the the one stinker that they put out besides the cars were probably uh, the, was the Good Dinosaur. That oh, was yeah. probably the first one. Um, but ever since then, it's like they've just been copying ideas that other studios have done already. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh, it's like uh-huh. Disney's already made like a hundred dinosaur movies already. It's like we did Land Before Time. It's maybe, like maybe they're done, man. Maybe they have no, no more good ideas. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, what, what other thoughts do you have about uh, Toy Story Three? I mean, it's 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 wonderful. I, I I don't know. There there are some opponents of it. I don't really get it. I think it's a great send off. I think it's exactly where the story was going. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's a perfect poetic ending. You know, that gets me still every time I watch it. And it's beyond that, it's just an exciting adventure movie, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's also hilarious. So the Spanish buzz stuff is really good. It's really, really, really good. The Ken stuff is really good. Oh, man. Michael Keaton in this movie is just fucking awesome. Great. In it. And it, <laughs> there's 10 million just like her. Not to me, there's not. <laughs> and I also re- recall stuff. it kind of being like a big step forward visually for them. Like, it yes. felt like there was a lot of detail in this movie that wasn't present in the original ones. Um, it did stick out for sure. Because I think what, what came prior to Toy Story 3? I can't remember. Because uh, I didn't have Wally? that. Was it? Hmm. Maybe it was, Wally and Up. It was I probably guess? Up. Up yeah. was 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I visually Up looks great, but it's not like there is something a little more, I don't know, tangible about Toy Story three than there is even that movie. I yeah, don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, the, I, I was reading um, in some of my research for this that they had finally figured out how to like do trash bags well in this movie. Like uh, trash bags presented like a unique problem because the material is flexible and like you know it, similar to like animating waves it's very hard to animate light waves because of such randomness right but the Weird. light reflecting off of it the motion of it all that stuff so they finally like nailed down garbage bags and so they were able to put the toys in a garbage bag in this movie um that was stuff that they couldn't do in the original and i think you watch that original it's still great you know it's groundbreaking again hanks is on the cutting edge of all this stuff um but you know in 95 it, it kind of just it looks like you know, like a, a, like a circle on top of like a body is like doing very simple motions in 3D animation. It, it does sort of look like a some test footage. You know, at, well, comparatively speaking, sure. Yeah, comparatively, you, you look at it. I mean, back then it's a stunt. Even when I when I was young, I was blown away by it. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie doesn't lose its edge just because it's it knew how to do faces. Sure, it, you can you can have the background stuff look kind of stale or or, 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 or serviceable, but you just got to make the faces look good, and mm-hmm. that's all I really need. And I connect, right? So there you go. Toy, yeah, Toy Story Three is awesome, and Tom Hanks is Woody. How can you not love Woody? Despite what some people think, he's just an annoying asshole. I don't care. I love Woody. <laughs> is that his most unlikable character? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Might be. Woody, yeah. Of all people, of all you wouldn't think it's Woody, but it probably I is. I think Woody. you're right. I think it's Hanks that is most unlikable, mm-hmm. and it's the one where you don't see his face. Shut up! Just shut up, you idiot! This is a perfect time to panic. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Imagine that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Interesting thought. You ready for the main event? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I requested this. Yes, this I think this feels like the podcast more than anything. This is why we decided to do it. I requested this. 
uh, when I first came up with the idea, I'm like, we have to do Cloud Atlas, 2012's Cloud Atlas, and you fought me on it, and I won. Because I'm just not not a big Wachowskis fan, but you know, I looked into it, and hearing the directors, uh, the writers, the Tom Hanks himself, most of the cast, the original author, they all really liked the movie really like the movie like a lot and i'm like okay i'll give it a shot <laughs> what the hell is this thing directed by lana wachowski lily wachowski and tom twiker starring tom hanks halle berry hugh grant hugo weaving and jim broadbent in a multitude of roles mm-hmm. an exploration of how the actions of individual lives impact one another in the past present and future as one soul is shaped from a killer into a hero and an act of kindness ripples across centuries to inspire a revolution. Cloud fucking Atlas. Talk to me. Ah. Talk to me, Adam. Well, it's a, it's a hell of a movie. This Hell cloud. of a movie. Hell of a movie. A lot of movie here. It's so much movie. A lot of movie. Oh, it's so much movie. It's... What did I say about it? I was like pacing in my basement. <laughs> I think my my takeaway it's like it's a really fascinating like oxymoron of a movie where it's somehow the most original unoriginal movie I've ever seen mm. or unoriginal unor- whatever the the flopping of those would be um it's uh, boy man I think walking away from it though I sort of decided, well, I mean, it's not boring. Certainly not. It's, it's three hours long. Feels like an hour and a half. And much like what you said earlier on, somehow it's kind of a breezy watch. So breezy. I didn't expect that whatsoever. This thing, it goes very fast. Uh-huh. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I would say it's a movie that's probably greater than the sum of its parts. I think if you take each individual story, I shrug each and every one of them off. Uh-huh. I don't think it's surprising because the Wachowskis are, you know, visually quite interesting filmmakers. But, you know, I, if I were to take each individual scene, I'm like, yeah, it's it's fine. It looks good. You know, uh-huh. it looks like any other movie, really. Right. But you place these wildly, wildly different stories. I mean, you, there's relations, of course, because that's the point. But if you were to take these wildly different stories and put them next to each other, um, the movie takes on this very big and strange meaning about sort of the interconnectivity of human beings and the lives and stories of human beings and how you don't have a story that happens a hundred years in the future unless the story that happens 200 years ago happens to influence the lives of what will ultimately be here. Mm -hmm. This detail hundreds of years ago is just as important as this detail now because that's how, you know, one makes the other and even vice versa. You could argue argue there's this cyclical thing going on. Mm. It's an interesting movie about reincarnation that I haven't seen very, yeah. very often. In well, there, yeah, there, it, it's kind of ambiguous in terms of like it, if it's truly reincarnation or just sort of like a passing of souls or just sort of like a general connectedness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these people, it's never really clear if these people yeah. are supposed to play the same person in every era or what. You could you could argue that that was sort of my takeaway with when. Uh, the Sunni is that her character? Yes, is talking about like seeing death as a door, and you go through the door, and you come out the other side as something new, which is a really beautiful idea. It kind of gives this feeling of like 
like comfort in the idea of passing on and going to another life, which I find oddly very touching. I was kind of surprised by how I felt about this movie. I don't think it's a great movie, Nico, and I'm sure you do. (laughs) Why do you think that? I don't know. I don't (laughs) think it's a great movie. I think it's chock full of issues. Uh, Lots of problems. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I enjoyed it. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I think it fucking rules. (laughs) I think it's incredible. (laughs) I think it's an incredible movie. I truly did. Like, I cannot re- wait to rewatch this thing. I can't wait to sit down and sort of like pick all the pieces apart and like explore exactly what's happening in terms of like the passing of souls or like the sort of narrative coherence in between all of those stories. Yeah. Because it does really do a lot of work to set up each uh, timeline's relationship to one another. And like there are a lot of handoffs in the movie yeah. like visually and also just in terms of like story like a character will be like walking on a bridge and then they'll cut to another character walking on a the, bridge the editing whatever. in this movie's outstanding it's outstanding it's like, absolutely outstanding. like they yeah. do a lot of work in order to make all of these stories make sense and it's based on this like really dense novel written by this guy david mitchell um and uh, apparently like it's a, a pretty uh, uh well received novel but it has this uh i guess what they describe as russian doll structure so that first timeline of like Tom Hanks and Halle Berry in the future falling in love on that island in Hawaii, we start with that and then we go in further uh, back in time to, I guess, uh, the Neo Soul stuff. And then we go in further to present day and then we go in further to the 70s and then we go in further to the 30s and then we go in further to the, the 17th century and then we work our way out again. So they go, you know, six in, and then we start the sixth story, and then we end the sixth story, and then we go back five, four, three, two, one, and then it ends again with Halle Berry and and Tom Hanks in Hawaii. Um, so they had to change that structure here because that would be really hard to make a movie where you have to start another movie an hour and a half in, yeah. and then remind the audience of where they came. So what they do is they cross cut between all of these stories simultaneously. Yeah. And you've got to keep track of everything that's going on. And I'll tell you what, at first it's kind of confusing, but eventually you kind of get into it and you realize what's going on. It takes a while. I wasn't confused, but it's pretty seamless. No, no, no. I wasn't confused. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because the individual stories are not that hard to follow. Yes. And they're pretty straightforward. It's just like readjusting to when the movie chooses to readjust. Mm hmm. It's an interesting movie in that like it's about story. You could almost make the sort of meta argument, and I believe the novel is kind of about this, where it's been described as metafiction, where it's almost about the importance of like quote unquote the seven stories, and mm. that's what this is. Mm-hmm. It is six stories plus the whole movie, which would be the seventh. Right. So you can almost make that argument that it's sort of about that strange interconnectivity that makes all these stories like even though they're different, they all sort of need each other in order to exist. And the way that they also play with genre too. Yeah, yeah, really yes, yes, yes. Because I was going to talk about what's the old the old man's name, uh, John. Uh, what, what, uh, the, the Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Because his story as uh, uh, Timmy in the old folks' home. In the old folks' home is the stupidest fucking amazing wonderful farcical movie ever i loved it it, it is such a tom jam. hanks plays the gangster with the cockney <laughs> right, accent at the beginning splats like a tomato really violent scene no but it's like this, legitimately like, funny yes like i, I think the wachowskis <laughs> kind of get picked on because you know they're 
very philosophical filmmakers with big ideas and like you know sometimes you're like all right just fucking go to a buddhist monastery already and get out of my hair but they're really funny filmmakers well no, no, no. Well, you're right, though. When you're talking about genre, like it, that entire uh, like subplot is a farcical comedy. Yes. And it's interesting how it shifts from like farcical comedy to sci-fi rebellion yes. story to uh, period drama. Yes. And, and then to, like, like costume drama. Spy like, movie. Yeah. It becomes like Three Days of the Condor. Yeah. With Halle Berry and, uh, and Keith David stuff. I was and I was picking up. I was like, "Oh, these are different genres, right?" And then you have a pirate movie. At the yeah, you have it's a fucking pirate movie. I kind of like the movie just for that. Like you get like like seven movies for the price of one, right? And they're just bouncing around. It's it's like you're flipping channels on cable. It's like give me this version of the story. <laughs> now again, does it always work? I don't think so. I, th- I think. I mean, how could it? But that's what. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, I, what do you want out of this movie? That's what I don't understand about the, yeah. the criticisms of this because it was panned by critics. There yeah. were certainly defenders. For example, Roger Ebert Roger. gave this thing four stars. He loves it. Called it one of the most ambitious movies ever made. That exact same year, Time Magazine called it the worst movie of 2012. <laughs> if that isn't exactly what this movie is in a nutshell, I don't know what is. I don't have an issue with that. That's cool. You know what I mean? But what I don't understand about these criticisms is like, what exactly were you looking for out of this? You know, like you came into this knowing and the the, the hype ahead of time was... It was a movie by the Wachowskis who clearly are, you know, one of the the more ambitious uh, duos of directors that have ever lived. Um, Making a three hour movie where major movie stars play different genders and races throughout the entire thing. Like that was the hype coming in. And it's like you knew this thing. If you had read the book, certainly you would have known that this is close to unadaptable and if you're looking for like peter jackson's lord of the rings you're not going to get it here this is obviously going to be messy but the messiness is cooked into the formula <laughs> you know like that's it's it's part of what makes the movie special is how messy and all over yeah, the place it is and that, I, I at a certain point you accept the messiness because i wasn't on board at first it took me a moment to mm-hmm. i was never confused but i was like i don't know if i like this but somehow there is something to the charm of the movie and something to the voice and, and most importantly, something about the filmmaker's passion. Despite, like, my reservations with it, I just think, like, it's undeniably, like, it's weird. This feels so much closer to the Wachowskis than even The Matrix, if I'm being honest. Right. The Matrix is a better movie, but, like, like it's crazy how much love and affection they have for making this work. Mm-hmm. By God, we must make this movie work. Yes. And that's part of the reason why I don't think the individual stories are so complicated because it's they're really simple. They're yeah. really simple. Yeah. The challenge is just putting it on the screen. That's right. all you have to worry about. Like let the story write itself, but let's just try to make sure we can show all these complicated, the complications of making these narrative narratives work in tandem. Right. With they, they have to poetically work. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And, you're hundred percent right. Like, the Jim Broadbent stuff in the nursing home is just like a very simple farcical comedy, uh, you know, about a guy breaking out, uh, you know, like like a, a prison break movie. That's all it is. It's a prison break movie. Like, in, like he- And the Halle Berry stuff with Keith David in, in the 70s, super simple as well. It's like, oh, this is a corporation that's trying to get a to cause a nuclear meltdown for oil. It's like, all right, this is like straight out of like Marathon Man or some shit. Like, it's really fucking simple. But the mood of that is like dreadful. Yeah. And it's kind of scary at times, particularly yeah. with Hugo Weaving pointing the gun at the the eye the eye hole. Oh, know? yeah. Great action really. sequences. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it the it's pretty cool and well done. And it's surprising for a movie to do this. I'm it. it it's a, 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 but again, though, <laughs> God, what? we talk about like. 
like like <laughs> the movie's also incredibly silly. Yeah. Um sure it is. There are makeup choices that are tough. Bad. <laughs> We're going to talk about Hugh Grant's old man English. What the His perfect teeth. What was that? Yeah, that was like at a bad grandpa or something. Yeah. Not good. Most of the Hugh Grant makeup is not good. <sighs> Suni. I, I got I wish I knew that. Actress. As the redhead at the end. I was like, oh, man, what is going on here, yeah. man? Uh, she also plays the Mexican woman. Yeah, I know. I noticed that too. They, they have the, the Asian woman playing a white woman right. and a Mexican woman. Yes, and I know at the time like that was kind of controversial. What do you like make of that whole choice, though? Did you appreciate it for what it was? You know, there's a looseness to this movie mm. where it, there's nothing mean spirited about it. Right, I, I felt the same way. Yeah, so it doesn't really bother me that much. It's not like exploiting them whatsoever. Like the point of the movie is that these past lives or these past souls, whatever you want to call them, could in- inhabit anybody. Right. So that it, it, so it's a little more authentic to do that. And the sort of interconnectedness, we're all the same. Like it's a movie about you know rebellion and freedom. So like, you know, I think here's the key to: they don't do blackface. They do everything but blackface so they sort of skirt around that very hot button thing but that was actually criticized about the movie it was well i know a lot of asian people took yeah took uh offense to the fact that they did a lot of yellow face but no blackface Right. Which is interesting. And ma- I don't know. I don't I understand. Whatever. Like that's, complica- that's a really tough issue that I don't feel like talking about on this spot. But I agree with you in the sense that there is like a real sort of um, a lightheartedness and like a generosity to it here where I, 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 yeah, I didn't feel like any of this was sort of mean spirited or, or evil. You know? No, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. It's, mm-hmm. it's about all of life. And that's the point. Right. Um, and for the most part, it works very well. Um, and I, I, even though the ending, it's weird because the ending is so like kind of gentle notes. Right. Not very big. Right. With Tom Hanks walking back to Halle Berry. Yeah. It's like the quietest ending ever. And yeah. somehow I kind of was affected by it. Loved it. Loved it. But let's be on. Let's get into some criticisms. Go ahead. There are just certain stories here that suck. Which ones? Fuck the pirate one. I had no interest yeah. in that stupid pirate story with Tom Hanks yeah. as like a thief, yeah. evil doctor, cannibal. I'm like, you could have just get rid of this this freaking story. The stuff with the Doesn't slave work. was okay. Like, I like the action sequence. I like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's like, uh, when he's uh, putting up the sail. Gets a good moment. That's a nice scene. But you forget about so much. Like, nothing happens. Yeah. It's not very interesting. Right. But you also need that moment, though, because Hanks' arc throughout the whole thing is he becomes, like, a hero. Like, he starts a villain and becomes a hero. Like I know, him, but right? that, so. that, that's the frustrating thing about it. And, and again, it, it carries on through other other characters. How there's, like, Hugo Weaving's character starts the victim, becomes the, the you know, the monster as a result of that, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. Uh it's just well, Hugo Weaving's always a monster, right? Wasn't there one the the where he's the musician and he's like uh, he wasn't he a, a Jew that was victimized by the Germans? Okay, yeah, that's yeah. true. So as a result, he kind of. But the know. rest, he's like either an assassin, like he's play like his character from the Matrix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an assassin, or like the. Oh, I do love him in the the final sequence in the Hawaii sequence when he plays the guy in the top hat. Like the, the, the manifestation of evil. That's right. It's like, it's so, it's just, it's just the Mad Hatter. That rule. It's just, it's just the Mad Hatter. It's great. It's that. like what, but again, and this is what I was talking about earlier. All of these stories, these individual stories are kind of trite. If, if Sure. So. Yeah. They, 
if you've ever wanted to see the absolutely perfect synergistic mashup of Blade Runner and Soylent Green, this movie has that. Yeah. Like like it to the point where it's insanely uncanny, where it's like you just took those two movies and you smashed them together. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and they're aware of that. Yeah. They mention that in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> by another character. <laughs> Soylent Green is people is the best. That is I mean that's just great. Comedy it is right a great. Comedy. That's so good. That is, but this is but the he thing. can't start the car because the key doesn't work. He doesn't realize the car starts <laughs> by button. It's I mean re- that's the whole climax. Yeah. of that sequence. It, <laughs> the Hugo, bar fight. Hugo weaving as the nurse. Oh my god, <laughs> nurse ratchet. It's another movie where you'll you'll be enraptured by the authenticity of it. You'll yet simultaneously you'll be in this irony vortex. Yeah. I don't have a single like concrete good bad. I mean, there are good good and bad things about it, but my feelings are really weird. Sure, I just don't know how you hate on a movie like this. Like, what's the matter with you? It could frustrate you. Yeah, like, uh, I like. Why the, are you picking on a movie like this? Like, we need more movies like this. I do like the movie. It's you know a I mean? it's a wacky cuckoo bananas movie, and that's cool. But like, no, dude, I completely understand why showing this to a layman they would fucking despise it. Don't okay. get me wrong. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm more speaking to critics here. It's like, you know, critics that are evaluating this and giving, you know, Iron Man 3 a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. <laughs> and then looking at this and being like, eh, pass. Like, to to sort of just like, like shut this movie down and, and just be like, you know, not really worth interrogating any further. Like, there's like so much in this movie. There's like so much juice here, mm-hmm. whereas the average Marvel movie has nothing than what you see on the surface. It's like you watch Captain America Civil War once, and you've gotten it, and you're done. And it's like, this is such like a rich text. There, There's like, obviously, some bad makeup, some good makeup. Some bad CGI, some good CGI. Some bad performances, some good performances. Whatever. But there's so much text there like there's so much and it just feels so fucking lazy to me to be like ah well this was a big flop (laughs) made nine million at the box office like come on as if it's like john carter or something it's like can we oh can we give this movie a shake here like oh man this takes every shot yeah it takes every single shot i i admire the hell out and i i was shocked by how much i ultimately liked it like i said it ain't a perfect movie, dude. <laughs> and Obviously, it's not know, perfect. Like, but it's like, it, no, but it's not like all movies are imperfect. Like, no, this is a very imperfect movie. Yeah. There's a lot of shortcomings. And again, there are just certain stories that I'm simply not interested in. And like Ben Win- Winshaw, is that yeah. his name? Yeah. Fine story. But I have to admit, every time they cut the, back- The musician stuff. Yeah. Every time they cut back to it, I was like, eh, okay. I like that stuff a lot, actually. It's okay. I, I, I love was- the scene at the beginning when they first write the piece- yeah, 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 yeah. When, the, when he's when the guy is dictating to him what the piece is supposed to sound yeah. like, yeah, and he nails it after like three tries. That's that's really good stuff. Yeah, but I, there are good human moments in here. That's the yeah, thing. Exactly. I think like you go into it thinking like, oh, you know, we're getting a Jupiter ascending type movie where it's just going to be like a CGI clusterfuck, and the Wachowskis have gotten too big for their britches again. But mm-hmm. it, I, no, there's like some like really good human it's drama in here. You know, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's a t- it's a tough one for me though, man. Because <laughs> I like because it's got because you're right though when you say it's got it's good and it's bad. Like that's kind of how I feel about it. There's so much good and there's also so much bad. And music's it. really good sometimes. 
I didn't love all the music. I, I felt, like the main theme. I, I do like too. the Cloud Atlas theme. Oh, I love the Cloud Atlas theme too as well. But it's one of those themes that it's like you know, if some like rando did because I think Tom Twyker actually composed that. Yeah, he did. So you know that theme has to you know somehow uh, make it to Halle Berry in a record shop in the 1970s. And she has to hear it and be like completely moved and blown away by it in like a, an out out of body experience kind of way, and you know, I think we've talked about this in the past with like you know songs and movies or whatever. If the song is kind of lame or kind of lazy, it's like oh well, I don't buy the fact that Halle Berry would be moved by this, but I actually buy it in this context. The main theme, sure, like because I think the rest of the score is sort of serviceable stock. You know, it's fine. You don't you don't remember anything else about the score aside from the main theme, which I guess is a, a tiny win. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my my real emotional journey though, like like I said before, is just that there are certain stories here that I am just more connected with. I love the post apocalyptic stuff yeah. so fucking much. Wh- which one, the Neo Soul stuff or the no, the last one? No, no, no. I was actually a little with Halle Berry and Tom Hanks yeah, on the island. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that worked for me as well as it did. But that language that they invented for them. Yeah, I like this contemplation with like <laughs> like facing evil in the Mad Hatter character. And, and Hanks is like great in this movie. Yeah, he's really Hanks good. This is like unbelievable in this. And I get why he loves the movie. I'm like, this is you should be proud of this, man. Yeah. Like this is a very interesting move for you. And I think for the most part it works. So apparently the financing was all him. It, th- really? This was it, in, it, well, he didn't actually finance it, but it was independently financed. It is perhaps the most expensive independent movie ever made. Okay. They raised the money, I think it was like $146 million. They shot it all in Germany. Like the German government helped fund it and a bunch of like, you know, independent resources from germany compiled all this together and for years it's like they because i think the book came out in 2004 and that's when the wachowskis optioned it um for years just like in development hell couldn't get the money together i think natalie portman was cast in it and then it to drop out a lot of people were like in out in out and hanks was the only one being like no next week let's go come on first guy on the plane never gave up on the movie really believed in it really championed it um, and even afterwards, I think he says this is the one movie of his he's seen more than twice. Yep. Um, and he, he just loves it. He's like, every time I watch it, it just alters my entire consciousness. Like, I get it, though. Yeah, I get it. It's so I, I, he's really committed to it. Like he's doing stuff that he had. He has never done in his career. Frankly, <laughs> A lot of actors are in this. Like Halle Berry has never gotten to these levels either. But no. um, I mean, yeah, he's doing all sorts of accents and is going very broad. And, like, yeah. But also very subtle sometimes. Yeah, all the entire range is covered, and it's it makes sense for this story. You kind of have to do that. Yeah, for it to be the story that it's telling this yeah. grand epic. Yeah, he's great in that that ending sequence. He's I, really good. Yeah, I everything with the post apocalyptic stuff is really special. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah. I guess the Soylent Green scene is impactful, but I think aside from that, it's kind of standard cyberpunky fare that's been. Wasn't a huge fan of all that uh, of all the neo soul stuff, I, and I should be, but it was very like like check off the box for for me. It looks, didn't love the CGI oh, in it either. That was like, in, in my opinion, the least inspired visually yeah. of all of them. But but again, this is the thing. There okay, because there is a thirty minute stretch of the movie that I just think is bad like they just okay. they just like where like you know how the rest of the movie is kind of clicking into place rem- like miraculously mm. where like there's no way these stories should work as right. well next and, to each other and they're never going to keep this up no no exactly and somehow they do yeah. this doesn't happen at the end though it actually picks itself back up with the last like 30 minutes so, like the last hour is cut in half for me from being really bad uh-huh. and then the last 30 minutes surprisingly poetic and beautiful uh-huh. it's like when i think this 
Hugo Weaving is finally chasing after um, Halle Berry and Keith David. And it's just a tonal disaster when the way they cut back is just wrong. The types of the, when they choose to cut to like the farcical scene versus like the period drama, Uh it just, nothing was clicking the way it was shot. It's sort of reminding me like the shortcomings of like sort of the, the, the stocky fare of these scenes and how it was like the scenes them all by themselves aren't like visually all that spectacular. Okay. Well, if I, I I don't mean to make excuses for the movie, but I do think in some of those sequences, particularly the the spy scene and also the Jim Broadbent stuff, um, they are communicating their impression of a movie of from that era. Do you know what I'm saying? Like do they're they? making they're they're kind of because I think that Halle Berry sequence is labeled like the the many adventures of so and so, whatever her character's name is. Mm. So it's implying like this is like a paperback novel that you would have picked up in the seventies. And it's kind of like this cheap sort of spy thriller about a journalist. Where you know uh, like a John Grisham type thing. And and then you have in the the Jim Broadbent stuff, he's literally writing a screenplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tom Hanks plays his character in that <laughs> in the future. Yeah. In that yeah, in the future. So, like, I I do think I I won't say that it's all intentional, but I, I will say like some of it is not necessarily parody, <laughs> but we're it's tropey on purpose. A lot of it is purposeful. I I, I understand that. Yeah, it, w- with some of the stories, but it, but it's one of those instances where it's like. <laughs> I don't know. Like it sort of like started to work against the movie. Mm. I if it, they cut back to it so often, they, they're cutting. It gets to a point where the chase is going on, and they're just cutting between all the stories, and none of them are really clicking in any sort of authentic way in the way that the that the rest of the movie was. Mm. And you emotionally just go through this very confusing journey. Mm. You know, it, it didn't quite work. And I think it would have maybe worked a little better if visually each segment was a little more distinct because mm-hmm. they they're kind of all shot relatively the same mm-hmm. and that was the the other thing that i wish they had done a little bit more of like if you had really interrogated what how should we shoot a sci-fi world and how should we shoot you know 1973 mm-hmm. and stuff like that should we shoot digitally here should we shoot film over here like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and it starts to get just like all too messy for its own good, all too silly in place. Like I was laughing in places I knew I wasn't supposed to laugh. Yeah. In like the 1973 sequence, I just found it like funny in instances. And I'm not talking about the Mexican lady. Yeah. It's just like like the way Keith David and and Halle Berry run away, the run down the hallway uh, in, in like a laundry room just seemed flat and dumb to me. Uh-huh. Um, and it, like I said, that's a notable chunk of the movie, and it basically stops when Tom Hanks goes back to the village to find everyone dead. Yeah. And then it gets good again. Right. Which is interesting. So Yeah, that scene's really good. Yeah, and he's really good in that scene. There's a lot of really good scenes. I mean there's the scene of Halle Berry and uh uh who is it Jim Sturgis is playing the guy in the elevator? Yeah. Jim Sturgis that's the name of the actor in in old man makeup? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so yeah. He's that gr- scene's really good. Yes. And like the, the red light when they're like sitting there, like there, there's like, I think, yeah, I think you see this thing and I, I remember seeing the, the teaser trailer for this in 2012. And obviously I remember, I think it was, it was around the time that I really started getting into like the industry side of movies. Like I was reading like a lot of entertainment weekly or whatever. And I was learning about like box office bombs. And I was like really fascinated by those sort of behind the scenes stories. And I remember seeing the trailer for this and it was the Wachowskis and Tom Twyker 
like pitching the movie. I think it was in front of another movie I saw at AMC. I don't remember which one. And they were like, this is going to be like the most ambitious movie ever made. And like, I remember thinking, oh, like there's just no, there's nothing there for me. I'm not really into like high concept sci-fi stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not really into like world building. Um, And I think you just expect like three hours of just sci-fi bullshit. Um, But there's like really good human stuff. And Yeah. um, yeah, I was, I was, blown away i was honestly blown away i think this is like an incredible movie like i i I actually think like you could you could argue that it's it's one of those movies i think that we're gonna look back 20 years from now and it's like god we were so wrong about this (sighs) if i just i don't know (laughs) because I, i just i think the individual things are not like always great like they're just very standard that's what I, I keep coming back to that it's like the one thing keeping me back from calling it a great movie I think is that like it it, it does so much well and I'm amazed at how much it manages to pull off mm-hmm. and I do think it's a good movie and I'm surprised that I actually thought it was a good movie mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to say that but it yeah. is it is a good movie um, sorry critics but like yeah you look at the individual scenes and it's just like yeah what's so special about this and I don't know what I yeah, yeah. It is. It is gonna be the movie I look back on, and, and where, where I, like I said, but you know, to to ro- to rope back around to what I said earlier, it's gonna be like the go-to movie I think about when I say it's it's greater than the sum of its parts, because mm. those individual parts can be incredibly trite, and sometimes there are instances where it can be a little bad. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing that this movie manages to wrangle all of it into something very coherent, surprisingly coherent. Mm. With yeah, like you said, a lot of nice human poetic moments that actually you know did ring true to me and i was fairly moved by it so surprising movie um not perfect (laughs) it's not it ain't perfect sorry uh but give it another look guys give it another look give it yeah trust us yeah all right we gotta put one in Mm. where do we go with this (laughs) What do you think? Mm, mm, mm. What do you think on this Thanksgiving? I don't know. I don't know. I know what you want to do. Uh, <laughs> you do? <laughs> Are you sure? I, I, Are you sure I, you know what I want to do? I, I, think, I think I do. <laughs> yeah. What do you think I want to do? I think it's... You're too obvious. I think. What do you think I want to do? Uh, do you want to put Cloud Atlas in? It's definitely the one that worked the most on you. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. I really do. It's got too, <laughs> It's got too many issues, man. Like it's I can't believe we're like <laughs> Philadelphia League of Their Own. Not Cloud Atlas. You are so weird with sci-fi. Like you're you, God, I, I love this movie. God, I love this movie. Like, I just want to go through your your sci-fi taste because you I ha- love this movie, Adam. So you you like Elysium? Yes. <laughs> Chappie? Abs- oh, Chappie rules. Chappie. Alien Resurrection? Slaps. Uh, Rips. <laughs> Cloud Atlas. It's the best. It's, it's the greatest. Your sci-fi taste sometimes bothers me. I just fucking love it. Cloud Atlas, my guy. Mm. Cloud Atlas. It's, it, it has so many problems. Hugh Grant as a cannibal, Native American. I don't know. I don't know. It's so good. It's the Tom m- Hanks with a Cockney accent. Yeah, 
It's got a lot of Nico-isms in it, for sure, that he just he's drawn to. Cloud Atlas. We don't... T- listen, we are in desperate need of big swings in cinema these days. <laughs> we're, we're gearing up for another Oscar season. It's about to be the most boring Oscar season since last year. That's true. It just Come on. I'm like, I've been looking at the top 10 list. Oh. I've been trying to compile. Boy, is it weak this year. Why? What's your top? What's your top five? Goodness. Well, we'll reveal it on the show. But mm-hmm. so far, it's just not been good. Yeah. Mine's kind of, you know, it's just it's been it's been very weak. And it's like we need more big swings like this. We need <laughs> more people like this willing to go for it. You know, I watched uh, I watched a King Richard the other day. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, Will Smith is now the favorite for the Oscar, I guess. Okay. And it's the story of the, the Williams sisters and feels like every sports movie you've ever seen and it's got a good performance at the center and it's like a really compelling story um and that's that and it's like god every movie's gonna be like this like literally this is what i have to get excited about you know i was going through my list too and it was frustrating because i don't want to include dune on my list but i was going back and i'm like yeesh like, it's been a bad year. I might have to include Dune and, just and, because there's not like is that is my my top five is going to be the most boring top five without it. Yeah, so I, I mean, know. watching something like Cloud Atlas, I'm just like I'm so hungry for a movie like this. I know. Like if Cloud Atlas came out this year, like I, it would just <laughs> dominate my year. It'd be all I thought about. I understand why. Look it's, how much runway I got out of old. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, like. But that's another pro- like this is a problematic conversation, dude. You're not being you're being a little disingenuous. I'm not. I think like what is what's yeah, but like old, in what way? But old is like trash, but it's like enjoyable trash. This is not trash. I no. would call Cloud Atlas trash. No, 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 no. I don't. Think I so. don't like it. Ironically, I actually think like it's a legitimately epic, fascinating movie. Fascinating. I, I and and somewhat moving. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm okay with that, but it's one of the weirder entries by far. What would your choice be? Uh, probably Philadelphia, but... Hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Who fucking cares? Toy Story 3, now nah, we don't need to induct that along with Toy Story. I think that's basically okay. And, and I'm fine not including the other two. I think Splash is kind of minor in comparison to the rest of the movies on the list. Yeah. I think A League of Their Own should be in the conversation. Um, I, I mean, I'll put. I don't think Cloud Atlas is the best on this list, too. That's the thing. I yeah. just, I just don't. I, but uh, I'm good with Philadelphia, I guess, as well. Yeah, for me, it's Philadelphia, League of Their Own, and uh, Cloud Atlas. Strangely, but I will give you that. I'm surprised that Cloud Atlas was in my in my runnings. You know, mm. you know, despite its imperfections. Yeah, it's an it's a it's a fascinating watch. It's definitely that. <laughs> I would like to go Cloud Atlas. If you would like to overrule me on that, though, and say Philadelphia, I am I am okay with that. It feels mean to Philadelphia, but yeah. <laughs> what did I? Uh, I've been really screwing you for uh, the past couple pods. I know that you have. So, You've been winning vetoes off of me y- left and right. Yeah, I know. So I could throw you a bone and <laughs> give you your Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! Cloud Atlas! Yeah. Right. Welcome to the Movie Hall of Fame, Cloud Atlas. Look at us, Adam Hall. <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? 
Such a weird movie. What a it's twist. Such a, a strange film. Cloud Atlas in the movie Hall of Fame. It's a great movie. Is it? <laughs> it's a great movie. I love it. Maybe it's a great movie. Uh, holy shit. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. It's a weird, weird induction. <laughs> we did it, Adam. We did it. Look at us. A film that I consider both really good and really ba- not not really bad. It's not really bad, but like, uh, yeah, I just don't give it I, a couple days. No, I have. I just like sit with it. I don't. I don't have <laughs> simmer. Sit with it and simmer. No, I get the movie. It, <laughs> it, may, it may pop up in your head every so. It's been doing that for me at least oh, yeah. the last couple of days. Yeah. Is it the only movie you're going to watch more than three times? It might be. I, it's, <laughs> it's just like yeah, these moments have been popping up in my head over the last couple of days. It's just God, so that's a great scene. But I, <laughs> this movie's awesome. This is it is one of those movies that frustrates me about you. It's like God, like because it's not like great sci-fi or anything. You're upset that Dune bored the shit out of me, and then I saw this, and I'm like, yes, cinema. Well, if I, I listened back to our Dune pod. You did, <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, like, oh, and my thoughts were, hmm, Nico's a Nico's a clever cow. That Nico. <laughs> What does that mean? Because this is what I realized. I was like, okay. He he saw the movie, and I don't even think he was as negative about it as he was letting on in the pod. Um, I think it was an instance... <laughs> where, I don't hate the movie. No, no, Absolutely no. Absolutely not. No, but... but, <laughs> but, what I, but listening back to it, what I realized was, I think, you came on the pod and you said, okay, um, I just saw a movie that, you know, was... You know, not entirely my thing, but I need to talk about. Uh, I need to. I need to give a better excuse beyond. It's just not my thing. <laughs> yeah, because well. that's what it sounded like. More, I was like, it's. It feels like an instance where you were. Tr- you thought I was playing devil's advocate with you. Is that what you thought I was trying? Trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, trying to make arguments beyond the simple. Yeah, guys, it it just ain't my jam. Which was probably a little more honest. Um, how dare you? <laughs> how close am I? <laughs> how dare you? Uh, I no, I listen. I stand behind my criticisms of of Cloud Atlas. I kind of I, <laughs> oh of Doom. I I find it to kind of be a cold movie that didn't really give me a lot of ways into it. Now, maybe that's just my own bias speaking. I also don't think structurally like it it works particularly well, specifically where like they cut it off. Uh, I stand behind the fact that I think it's kind of like a TV pilot. I mean, th- those are just the things that I felt when I was watching it. Um, I, I have no problems technically with it, though. I think, like, it is masterfully directed. I think the cinematography rules. I think the, the music is pretty good. Um, and that's that. But I, I, to me, this is a movie that does not equal the sum of its parts. I actually think, like, it's less than the sum of its parts. When you put it together as a as a film, like, I'm just not particularly moved by it. And that's... Listen. Oh, Dune? Yeah. Ew. That's what I go to the movies for, man. I don't know. It's like I go to be moved. I go to be... I, I'm looking for some sort of emotion. I'm looking for the movie to slap me in the face or make me cry or or make me happy or joyous or make me laugh. And it's like, you know, I watched it and it's like, okay, I'm, I, I think as Nick said, it's a Shakespeare in the Park. It's a really good Shakespeare in the Park and I can admire it from afar. Okay. Um, I don't know. That's just my fucking opinion. 
A little confounding. Sorry, man. <laughs> it's like, I'm it's sorry. Like, I don't know. We're in a we're in a discussion medium. It is a little what strange. We're doing here. It's my opinion. I'd I, like to shut up and not say anything and make sure and well, let I'm, you guys have a good time. But well, I'm more fascinated because I'm like Dune is better on basically all accounts than Cloud Atlas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What's, yeah, I think okay, sure. <laughs> no, like, but if you yes, if you break down the individual elements, sure, sure. sure. Yeah, but yeah. then what am I left with? I'm left with. You know, Oscar Isaac in the desert, like... He was never in the desert. Well, he was, but... Whatever, and then, like... <laughs> he was naked in a chair. <laughs> he was naked in a chair. Like, I just don't really know what I'm left with at the end. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what I was supposed to feel. Does that make me a stupid film viewer? Maybe. <laughs> Probably does. But this is the brain that I have to work with, man. And if it's a stupid one, then so be it. I can only judge it based on what this stupid brain will allow me to, to believe. Well, because I am like dissecting you. I'm like, like how? It's, it, it is somewhat interesting because I just felt, like, like I said before, like the total opposite in the case of something like Dune. I know. You it's love like it. I'm like, it's okay, man. Yeah, it's like you I'm, love it. You're allowed so, to love it. Like I'm so moved by that, but it's like the same thing with like Lord of the Rings. I'm like, what? Yeah, Lord of the Rings just bored the shit. Yeah, it's just like I don't like it bored the shit. It's just like a CGI clusterfuck. For Lord of the Rings. Of it. Yeah. Well, that's the Hobbit. Come on. Well, the Hobbit especially, but like the third Lord of the Rings. Like everybody loves that third one. It's, it's like, really great. It's a great movie. It's a masterful movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful story with some great guy. I don't know. That's that's the thing because because I understand like the relationship between not liking something like Lord of the Rings and also not liking something like Dune. Mm-hmm. Is it the world building? I think it's the the amount of information. I know that sounds. I odd, mean, like, coming off a of cloud, cloud Atlas, Atlas, which is just like <laughs> soaked in plot. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like we're going through the motions. Like, it kind of like it's the same. Like I played D and D with Nick a couple times, and oh. it's the same sort of experience that I had playing D. Interesting. It's like we're sitting here, and I'm listening to a guy go through all the rules of what's happening, and like, like I'm just not interested in this. Like mm. we're just going down this laundry list of names of creatures and names of powers and abilities and stuff. And but you like Nolan films? That's what they do. Nolan does that a lot. Um, particularly in something yeah, like Inception. In a. In a different sort of way yes i i i get what you mean but it's okay he provides like he he over explains right like Mm. his his dialogue over explains but his worlds themselves are not like particularly complicated like they're still like and especially the plots themselves are very simple yeah you know what i mean where it feels like you can watch something like interstellar and it's more of a tone poem you know what i mean like obviously there's a lot of science in it or whatever but, you know, I never feel like I'm going through a Nolan movie, like, just checking off all the boxes. Like, this is where we're supposed to go next. And this is, you know, this is our messianic figure. And this is why he's the messianic figure. And, yeah, it's it, I understand your point. I, I think it's it's a tad different. I find Nolan movies to be more visceral experiences, I guess. Than Denis films? Ooh. No, than Dune. Not necessarily all Denis Oh, films. come on. But, yeah. Than Dune? That's so confusing. I'm so confused by that statement. I'm sorry. It's I all know, it's all you visceral. Love. You're in love with it. It's okay. You it's know. all visceral. But even like Blade Runner, I find that very interesting too. Though it's it's sort of like like what what it just it just yeah, really con- good. It yeah. confuses me. It's good. Blade Runner's good. Because mm. <laughs> it's, it's it's like all of that. It's like all of that and more. It's like it's like perfect. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> For the record, Blade Runner is better than Dune. But uh, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't get you. <laughs> I I'm don't a hard get, guy to nail down. I don't get you at all. 
My heart got nailed down. <laughs> like that's all the Dini- whatever. Like not visceral. I don't know. That's strange. Yeah, I don't know. I was bored. Uh, <laughs> that's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Adam. Go watch the card counter again. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Go did, watch the card counter this time. How did that not bore the shit out of you? Card, card, card counter. Jesus rule. Christ. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I love you so very, very much. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the pie. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the family. Enjoy the friends. Or maybe don't enjoy the family and friends. Maybe just get drunk in a oh, corner. Well, that'd be sad. Either way, that's what I'm planning on doing this Thanksgiving getting drunk in a corner it's the best holiday it's every holiday for you getting drunk in a corner (laughs) in your late 20s getting drunk in a corner guys sorry (laughs) i love you so very very much i'm Mm. thankful for all of you as a matter of fact Mm. and folks until next time i have aids